All right, hello people. This is a sound check. Um, my equipment had some issues. I won't bother explaining what they are. It's kind of boring. We'll make good uh, pre-radio even. But uh, tell me how I sound. Tell me if it's okay, because this has uh, been difficult on me today. I actually was going to start on time, and it's, you, see you guys are saying it sounds good. Okay, that's that's great. All right, so we're almost ready to start oh, here. you've got to be kidding me. Please cancel. What? Please cancel. I, I can't cancel. So wait, 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 wait. Shh, shh. We already talked about this. This is so unfair. I'm so tired. You have to be done by 9.30. I'm, I'm not going to be done by 9.30. I, I didn't get to start till 7. I didn't get to start till 7. Then I'm bringing Ben in here. I'm going to leave him with you. I'm going you can't leave him with me? How can I do a show with Ben in here? Oh, you're doing a show for... You're t- what you tell me is that a show for 50 people is more important than... It's not 50 people! It's like... It's not 50 people. I've got 1,000 plus people here. I'm not going to disappoint 1,000 people. It's one guy in New Hampshire. It's not one guy. Okay, it is one guy in New Hampshire. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a, I can't believe time. you're bringing that up. This is the last time. I, I'm, you can start doing it in the middle of the night. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do it in the middle of the night. Let people can listen in the middle of the night like these Euros. This, this isn't a Euro show. Hey, don't, don't go anywhere. Where are you going? Hey, where, where are you going? Uh, you know, th- this, is, this is so frustrating Sorry about that, gentlemen. Um, we will uh, get started here in a second. I think the sound is good. And uh, we will get going.
retarded. I must sit down with Martin and Daniel. Thanks for the plugs in your channel. When I dare sell into the ethics panel, a trial. Both found guilty of lies. And it's five years in China joined Tom and Nancy. Honesty is the best hustle, that's for sure, as far as Howard Letter is concerned. This was from Seriously Serious. He just released it on Monday. It's a parody of Eminem's Without Me about Howard Letterer returning to the poker scene. I thought it was one of his best videos. I just played the audio here, otherwise, obviously, but uh, if you want to see the video, which I recommend, um, go to his YouTube channel, or the Bluff YouTube channel, and you'll find it. Very well done. I think it's one of his best work. Anyway, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. Before we get into anything, anything at all, what I'm going to do is tell you about the free roll, because we have 85 bucks to give away tonight, and I don't want you guys to get in there late, because if you get in there late, then you don't get in. It's one of those things where... No latecomers allowed, which means I usually wouldn't be allowed because I'm always late. But uh, this is on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find it at the top of the screen, saying No Fraud Online Poker. You need a free account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which is a separate account from what you would have on the forum. But to qualify for the free money, you need to have had a registered account on the forum dated June 1st, 2013 or before. Otherwise, you won't qualify for the free money unless you get an exception from me, which you can do in one of two ways. Either email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, that's dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you have been listening to the show for at least three weeks by telling me things you have heard on the show that are not in the show description. Either be more detailed about the things I've talked about or tell me things I've talked about that just were not listed. Or you can donate a minimum of $10 to a subsequent free roll. Once you do that, you're in. You don't have to donate 10 bucks every week. Just a one-time $10 donation to the free roll will also get you in, even if you are a new listener. And uh, someone actually just did that recently. And I thought, hey, that's a good idea. I mean, I didn't tell him to donate 10 bucks, but he said, hey, I'm a new listener, but here's 10 bucks." And I thought, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. If you're willing to give 10 bucks towards the free roll then I think you're okay to qualify for it. I just don't want people here trying to use the free roll for free money with no interest in this show. So those are the ways that you can qualify for the free money. And this is free cash. This is not online poker money. This isn't money you're going to have a hard time cashing out. This is money I will send you on PayPal. I'll send you a check. I will send you cash in the mail if you want. I'll send you a bank transfer. I've done all of these things for people who have won money in these free rolls. It's a total cash free roll. We don't have many like that in poker. So 
get over there. The registration ends at 710 on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. It's not that hard to win either. The number of people playing is almost always less than 100. So you have a good shot. Anyway, let's get to the agenda tonight. Before I do that, I want to give you the phone numbers to contact me here at the Druff and Friend Show. The main phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also reach me on the Mount Charleston line. That's 702-430-1808. If you want to text me instead of calling, you can do that too. The text number is the same as our main phone number. That's 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355. You can text me now. You can text me during the show or even after the show or sometime during the upcoming week. I do check these text messages, so it's actually a way to reach me via text at any time of the week. So you might want to keep that number around, 775-372-8355. I will read your texts on the air, by the way, and we already have received a number of them. From the 941 area code, Free Judonk. From the 704 area code, um, actually that's from last week, never mind. Pikachar texted me saying, Druff, this is Pika, just wanted to tell you pre-show to go kick ass. So great, thank you. And I always love getting texts like these from the 954 area code. Uh, keeps cutting in and out. So I hope that's not true. I hope it's just on his end. I hope the whole show is not cutting in and out, or otherwise uh, the sound equipment adjustments were a failure. But I see nobody else in the chat room is complaining. And of course, I forgot to mention the chat room. If you want to communicate with me in the chat room, you can go... Click chat at the top of the screen and go into the chat room, and I will try to read it as much as I can. But it is hard to do tonight. I will be doing the show on my own, and I just won't have time to read everything in the chat room and do a show. But I'll try to read it as much as possible. Uh, A few things from the chat room right now. This is from BadGuy23, who returned for the first time in a while. He wrote, Druff, if this spook Jansen ruins my parlay six tie, it will be the least of your worries (laughs) so bad guy really wants the Dodgers to win here Um, because the Dodgers are up three to two with uh, Kenley Jansen on the mound I actually had to leave watching that game to go do this show shows you my level of dedication here to poker fraud alert radio and yes I said spook on the air I'm reading the chat room those aren't my words those are bad guys words I don't think Kenley Jansen is a spook so, just reading what's said in the chat. Uh, Deal says, welcome to the Druff and Dupes show. Uh, Bubbles hoping for a slim tea check-in. And let's see, anything else? Ah, that's it. Someone's saying it was also, it was cutting out for a few, so that's too bad. But hopefully it stays okay for the remainder of the show. Want to give a birthday shout-out, not to Ken Scaler this week, but to Hot Four Sauce, 
This is not hot like sauce. This is hot for sauce, which is apparently hot like sauce's girlfriend who also listens to the show. And he says, I love you, baby, and can't wait for next week where you're going to make a baby sauce. Wow. So I, I guess he's trying to get his girlfriend pregnant. I don't know how old this guy is, but uh, if you're younger, you may want to wait. That's my advice here. If you're young, don't have kids because it'll, it'll change your life. And if you're young, it may not change your life in a good way. Once you're old like me, it's okay. But uh, I don't know how old Hot for Sauce and Hot Like Sauce are. I saw a picture of Hot Like Sauce, and she looked pretty young from what I could see. So you may want to wait on making the baby sauce. Uh, this from the 815 area code. I've got a boner. Woot woot. Shabalala ding dong. Chack chack a whack. Do die like a fucking lick a Cheeto. That's really what he wrote. 704 saying he's listening now on the 704 area code. Uh, from the 617 area, which is the Boston area, there is a room in Massachusetts that is using the Poker Maven software to run a room. Uh, and, of course, that's the same software we use to run the Poker Fraud Alert free roll on uh, the No Fraud Online Poker Room. He asked, do you think this will catch on either in growth or, growth or authorities? So I guess he's trying to say here that there's a home poker game running in Massachusetts on the Internet using this same software we use for our poker room. Interesting. I, I think it'll get busted if it goes on for long enough. Someone telling me in the 818, you sound clear. That's good to hear. All right, so let's get on with the show. Free roll starting in three minutes. Thank you to three contributors this week that we usually do not have as free roll contributors, but I appreciate all money that we get donated to this show. Uh, we have an $85 free roll, which starts in just three minutes. It is no limit hold'em. The first place is $40. Second place is $25. Third place is $15. Fourth place is $5. And the $85 came from a combination of Merciless Ming, his first contribution to the free roll, $50. Thank you to him. SMI Florida, his first contribution, $10. And Edward Teach, who has donated before for $25. Thank you to all three of you for making up our unusual threesome of free roll contributors to give us $85 to give away this week, and I think that's great. Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money in our free rolls than any poker radio show on earth. It's true. And it's money you can very easily receive and access after you've won it. It's not poker money that you have to hope lets you cash out from some shady site. Here's our agenda tonight. A UK poker player was set up by a younger girl for robbery, but it got worse. The guy was murdered. So we'll talk about that. Last week we talked about lock poker, and I read some portions of the article by Steve Ruddock, also known as Steve-O, and this uh, anonymous lock poker pro was supposedly spilling the dirt to him, though I wasn't very happy with the things that this lock poker pro said. I said the guy was either lying or clueless about a lot of things. We now have some suspicion as to who that anonymous lock poker pro might be, and... If it is the person we're suspecting, we can understand why this person was 
not telling the truth because this person has been lying for a long time, if it is that guy. But uh, I also want to read some additional things that Steve-O posted that were also said that didn't make the first cut of the interview. Well, there's a bipartisan bill currently in the Senate that has to do with online poker legalization. But before you get too excited, it's not to legalize it, it's to illegalize it. Yes, it's a bill that attempts to reverse the Department of Justice interpretation of the Wire Act, which would halt online poker legalization in the U.S., including those state rooms. So we're going to talk about that and talk about whether it has much of a chance to pass and who is behind this bill. Also, we're going to have a flashback to August 2013 when the Las Vegas Sands Corporation, owned by online poker opponent Sheldon Adelson, how they were fined $47 million for money laundering at their casinos. And that has to do with the previous story, by the way. There's apparently a poker network called Net Stronger. Yeah, Net Stronger is the name of the poker network. I've never heard of it before, but I would not play on that network if I were you because they've been lying about their regulator. They claim they have a regulator, and the regulator said, uh-uh, we have not been regulating you guys. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty bad. Pretty bad. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. People who have Comcast cable, uh, I feel bad enough for you already because Comcast is known as one of the worst cable companies out there, but they had more to worry about as it appeared that Comcast was blocking access to Bovada, which was a bad precedent. They thought, "Uh uh-oh, maybe soon all the illegal poker networks will be blocked from ISPs. But it turns out maybe that was not true. Going to discuss that bizarre situation. There are new federal requirements coming for brick-and-mortar casinos involving high rollers to make them reveal where they got their money. Because right now you can walk into a casino and uh, provided that you have sent money to them beforehand, provided you've already wired money over there, you don't have to fill out any forms. You don't have to, they don't have to really let the government know about anything. You can just play with millions of dollars, and the government will never know about it. The government wants to know now. The government wants to force casinos to disclose where that money even came from in the first place and find out before they accept bets from these people. Has not happened yet, but it might happen very soon. We'll talk about that. Every week in 2014, I've been doing an editorial. This week is no different. This week's editorial... Live poker rooms need to share information on cheaters and troublemakers with each other to keep them out of our tournaments and out of our cash games. I think you already know my position on that, and I will give you my editorial towards the end of the show. And at the end of the show, as we've also been doing for the last several weeks, the Ask Dan Druff segment, where you ask me questions and I answer almost anything. So... If you want to call, once again, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also text that same number. I will read your text during the show. The Mount Charleston line, 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808. You have to show your caller ID no matter what number you call, or you will not get through. In fact, uh, I forgot to turn on Skype because of uh, there, there was a little bit of... Uh, an argument at the beginning of the show, and that distracted me, 
and uh, I didn't get to turn on Skype. So I'm turning on Skype now. Since Skype was not on up until right now, I could not receive your phone calls. But I'm assuming nobody called anyway because I was just doing the introductions. And truthfully, had you called, I would not have taken your call. And in fact, if I don't take your call, don't be insulted. It just means that... uh, it just means that I'm busy with other things in the show and try back in 15 minutes or so, and I will probably take your call. So that is the situation. Let's make sure the calls are in place properly. Um, nope, I actually had them turned off. Here we go. Okay, it should work now. So we are going to get going with the... First topic of the show, which is the unfortunate murder that took place in the UK. So I really hate reading stories like these. First of all, just because they're tragic. And second, because it kind of hits home in that I think, hey, I'm a high limit poker player, at least a middle high limit poker player. And I wonder if one of these days I could be a victim like this. Not quite in the way this happened because I, I wouldn't have gotten myself in this situation, but you know, you're always a walking victim if you're a medium or high limit poker player because people assume that you have cash on you and that you have cash in your house. And it's amazing what a lot of people will do for a relatively small amount of money. I mean, people will take guns in and hold up liquor stores to get a few hundred bucks. So imagine what they would do to get five or six figures worth of money from just a poker player, either at home or if he's walking in the parking lot. You just got to be careful, truthfully. So uh, it didn't end very well for one popular poker player in the UK. When I say popular, he's not well known because he doesn't play much as far as tournaments go. He plays in the UK live cash scene and... You know, if you're not in the UK live cash scene, you probably haven't heard of him. But he is well-liked and well-known. His name was Mehmet Hassan. He was 56 years old. He's no longer with us. He's dead. He did not die of natural causes. He was murdered. This is what happened. Mehmet Hassan, who, as I said, is mostly a cash player. I guess he won 3,000 pounds at a cash game in, uh, let's go to the article here. Find where he was playing here. Yeah, he played, uh, I guess it's not in this article because I had the wrong article up. That's not very good. Well, anyway, uh, he won 3,000 pounds in a cash game somewhere. I guess it's not really that important. And he met a girl, quote, in the street. I don't know what that means, but that's what he told his friends that uh, he met a girl in the street who was much younger than him, whose name turned out to be Leonie Granger. Again, this happened in the UK. I see he won at the uh, West End Casino. I see this in a different part of the article. So the West End Casino, he won 3,000 pounds, which I think is worth about 5,000 bucks. And he was, quote, in the street when he met a young woman who showed interest in him. Now, I have to tell you, that when a young woman shows interest in you and you're 56 years old and a 24-year-old woman is all over you right after you win at the casino, that is a red flag. 
that is a big red flag. If you are ever in that position, run far away because at best she's a gold digger. At worst, you're being set up for something like this. So basically, um, she must have seen him in the casino or, or something and approached him in the street. And, you know, he was happy. He just won 3,000 pounds, and he meets this girl in the street who inexplicably has interest in him despite being over 30 years younger than he is. So they went to the Nobu restaurant and celebrated. And he told his friends that he was celebrating his win at the Nobu restaurant with a mystery woman he met in the street. So she went to dinner with him. Then they went back to his place, and he must have thought, wow, this is a great day. I win 3,000 pounds, and I'm going to get lucky with a woman who's over 30 years younger than me. So he goes back to his place, and very shortly after, six men burst in. And that is not what you want to see happen when you bring a, quote, mystery girl back to your place. So, very, very bad news for him with six guys bursting in. And uh, not only did these six guys steal his 3,000 pounds and 20,000 additional pounds that uh, he kept in his place. I, I'm not sure if they knew about the 20,000 pounds beforehand or if they just beat him to the point where he told them where the rest of the money was, assuming he had to have uh, cash on him you know, at, the, at, at his flat there in the UK. But uh, they stole 23,000 pounds. They tied him up. And they beat him so badly that he suffered major chest and neck injuries and died. The only good part of this story is the fact that they caught the perpetrators. They caught Leone Granger. They caught two of the other men, Nicholas Chandler and Kyron Jackson, both from the London area. And they caught four other guys, and they were not named. I don't know why. But uh, this is basically a setup. Basically, this girl purposely met him in the street and tricked him into bringing her back to his place where she had already planned these six guys were going to follow and then burst in and uh, beat him up and take his money. Now, I'm assuming that... They weren't intending to kill him because they didn't get anything out of killing him. But, you know, they you have six guys beating a guy up. It can easily happen. And it did. Maybe he didn't want to give up the money at first. Who knows? But whatever it was, uh, he got beaten badly enough to die from his injuries. Um, Mehmet Hassan's best friend, Andrew Perendez said, Mem was born with a pack of cards in his hands. He was a gambler since he was 11 years old. We've known each other since we were eight. We have never worked. We've always gambled. Mem was one of the best all-around card players I've ever known. He was a very generous man and a big winner. He could have been anything he wanted to be, but chose to live on his wits. No one deserves to go that way, to get battered to death in your own flat. I have to agree, that's a terrible story. Terrible, terrible story. By the way, a bad guy, I'm sure, is happy right now. Hate to take away from the subject, but... uh... The Dodgers have managed to win 
three to two, and they won their first game playing in the U.S. So, I'm sure, bad guy's happy, and his parlay did well. And uh, I think there's a lot of uh, Vicodins in his future, at least his near future. I see Grandma Rosa's in chat too. Wow. But anyway, back to uh, Mehmet Hassan. If you recall, the same thing happened to Jonathan Duhamel, who fortunately lived. Fortunately, Jonathan Duhamel did not die and recovered from his injuries, but he was also set up by a girl. In this case, it wasn't a girl that met him in the street. It was a girl he had been dating, but same thing. Uh, A young girl he was dating set him up and... uh, arranged for him to get beaten up and his stuff stolen, including his World Series of Poker bracelet. Uh, The bracelet was eventually found, but damaged really badly, but the World Series of Poker actually replaced it, which was nice of them. But this is the second story we've had about this in not that long of a time. And there's probably been many others. One of our users on Poker Fraud Alert had this to say. This is a guy who calls himself... Lord of the Fraud, and he's actually from the UK himself. Uh, What he had to say about this situation was, Poker players have been sitting ducks since the boom, referring to the poker boom of about 10 years ago, and I've never understood why more haven't been targeted over the years, especially considering they could be holding 100 times more dollars than the numerous storeholders who lose their lives to robberies each year. Maybe because the vermin who will take somebody's life for a few bucks still have no idea how much money poker players can walk out of a casino with or keep at home like this guy did. So he's saying probably the criminals aren't that aware how much money they can get by targeting a single poker player. But, you know, we've had this. We had Jonathan Duhamel. We had that guy uh, somewhere in the Midwest where two guys burst into his place and stole 150000 from him and beat him up. This seems to be on the rise, and it's not surprising, as Lord of the Fraud said on our site. I mean, it's, it's not surprising that this is happening. It's a lot of money, and it's not that hard to get. It's a hell of a lot more worth it to target one individual poker player for tens of thousands of dollars or maybe even more than it is to target a liquor store for 500 bucks. So... Hopefully we don't see more and more of these stories, and hopefully these stories don't end in this way. And I hope that the perpetrators of this get life in prison. I don't think they have a death penalty in the UK, though if they did, I would definitely advocate that in this situation. That's just awful. That is just awful to set the poor guy up like that. But as poker players... We can do things also to prevent this. Now, when you're 56 years old and a pretty 24-year-old girl approaches you in the street and seems to have interest in you, it's very hard to say no. It's very hard to say, sorry, not interested. Because that doesn't happen very often. If you're 56, typically the only way you're going to get young girls is by either uh, buying them as hookers or by uh, being a sugar daddy and paying all their expenses. They don't usually just approach you and say, hey, you know, what's up? And and just get to talking to you and decide they're interested in you. They don't just go back to your place to have sex with you for nothing. 
So when you see something odd happening like that, that's just out of the ordinary, you know, as much as you'd like to believe that you've still got it at 56, or even if you're not 56, even if you're 46 or 40, as much as you'd like to believe that you've still got it, you have to look at the situation and say, why is this happening? Why does this girl like me so much? Why does she pick me? And even if you're a young guy, even if you're a younger, good-looking guy, and you think, okay, you know, I get a lot of girls approaching me, you still have to look at the situation. You got to look at the type of girl. You got to look at the way the whole thing occurred. You know, did she just really approach you out of nowhere and seem very interested in you and only you? If so, you're probably being set up. Even if you're used to pretty girls approaching you, if it's like this, it's again probably a setup. Like Jonathan Duhamel, he's a young guy, and this was a girl he already knew who did it to him, but uh, especially if you're older and something out of the ordinary like that happens, instead of being flattered or thinking you're going to have a great night ahead of you, think. Think with your big head. And think about what's probably occurring, because at best, you're probably being targeted by a gold digger. So... I hate reading stories like that. Seems like this guy was well-liked and was a nice guy. This wasn't even like one of the scumbags of poker. It's not even like one of the poker scammers got beaten up or killed. I actually read a story, I don't know, about a year or two ago about a guy named Paul. I'm forgetting his last name. But uh, he got shot to death in his house. And I had played with him once at 400-800. But let me tell you, I wasn't sad to hear that guy got killed. This guy was very shady. This guy was very obnoxious. This is exactly the type of guy that I would picture would one day end up shot to death in his house from something shady he was involved in. So, like, when I read about this Paul guy being killed, I I wasn't happy because he wasn't my enemy or anything. But I wasn't like, oh, this is a tragedy because I knew the guy brought it upon himself. But uh, this Mehmet Hassan did not bring it upon himself uh, aside from being a bit naive as to why this girl was into him. And I, I really hate hearing about good, nice people having this occur. And I hate when it happens in the poker community. And, of course, I can relate to it, being a poker player myself and being one who has carried money around. Now, actually, for this reason, I don't carry money around anymore. I actually keep boxes in the various casinos where I play. I show up with very little money. I take the money out of the box. When I'm done playing, I put money back in the box and then I leave with very little money. So it's really not worth mugging me. And I I even have safeguards in place in case someone were to uh, force me into the room with a box, which I'm not going to explain, but they're in place, so to speak. Because I know, you know, I, I could be a victim too. But hey, you know, maybe the people who target me wouldn't know that either. They wouldn't know that I don't have the money on me. And if they approach me with a gun, I can say, hey, look, I've barely got anything, but they probably won't be satisfied. So it's scary hearing these stories. It really is. And I think as criminals learn that this is a easy way to get money, they're going to start doing this more and more. Now, there were a lot of stories like this in L.A. where people got followed home over the years, even dating back to the 80s and 90s. But those typically 
were just follow home sort of crimes where someone would just be followed home, which doesn't make it any better or less tragic, but uh, they would get followed home by someone and then the person would approach them in the garage and uh, mug them and in some cases kill them. But I will say that I felt like I was less vulnerable personally to things like that because I always noticed that the victims in these stories tended to either be really old or female, that they tended to go after the low-hanging fruit and that they typically wouldn't select a middle-aged guy, especially one who's you know over six feet tall. Not not saying I would fight them off if they approached me with a gun, but like they don't even want to chance that. They just want to go after the easiest people to go after, you know, the small Asian women, the eighty-year-old guys, whatever. So I wasn't all that worried about being victim of that sort of thing. And also, I, I'm always mindful when I'm driving home that there's someone not following me. I'm not paranoid about it, but if someone's following me, unless they're really good at it, I'm going to figure it out. So, here's some more texts before we move on to our other subjects. This is from that guy in 704. What a bunch of scumbags to do that to that man. Wow, the way people act these days amaze me. So ruthless. From the 815. LOL, I want to bet with you reading that. Thanks. That was about the woot woot shabalow ding dong text I got. Hey, I told you I'm going to read your text no matter what they are. Um, people in the 754 area code want me to discuss a feud with a certain individual. I, I really don't want to. This show and the forum are separate things here. I don't like to infect the show with forum drama. 703 saying, hey Druff, it's Crypt. I'm high as shit. Alright, as long as you're listening. 617 area code says, I think the rise in poker rollings reflects the growing inequality in the economy. I don't know about that, but that's his theory. He also wrote, that and whore Jennifer Larson have more alike than you think. Or that whore and Jennifer Larson have more alike than you think. Referring to the girl who set the guy up. That she's like Jennifer Larson in this guy's opinion. So those are our texts tonight so far. I've gotten a lot of them. Thank you for your text to 775-372-8355. Let's see what the chat room has to say. Bad guy 23 asking DJ Chaps when he's going to start his after show again. I'd like to see the after show. I enjoyed that after show when he used to run that. Someone saying LOL at Mugging Druff. Uh, someone asking for the Story of black girls hitting on me late at night. Well, this wasn't really about a mugging thing. They don't think it was. This was actually in Caesars about a year ago. About five in the morning, and I went down to the Central Cafe to do takeout for some food there. And while I'm waiting, there were these two black girls that... They they didn't look like hookers, but that doesn't mean much in Las Vegas. But they were very, very much pressing me to come sit with them. And I, I kept saying that I really didn't want to and I'm happy where I am and they just kept saying come on why don't you want to come over why don't you want to come sit with us oh come on you're hurting our feelings like I was getting that over and over and they just would not take no for an answer but I, I didn't budge I just stayed where I was and when my take takeout food came I left but uh, I, I guess they could have been setting me up for some kind of rolling or I, I was thinking it was much more likely they were just uh, trying to set me up for a kind of prostitution thing just figured a guy there at uh, five in the morning by himself picking up food would be a perfect uh, client of theirs. 
So uh, in case you want to text again, 775-372-8355. I just typed it in the chat room, too. Let's move to the next topic of the evening. That is a follow-up to last week's Lock Poker story. Let me get to that right here. Uh, Basically, if you listen to the show last week, I read portions of an article written by Steve Ruddock for OnlinePokerReport.com. Steve Ruddock posts on our forum. He actually has over 1,700 posts on this forum. He posts as Steve-O, and he's he's a poker reporter. And he did an interview with an anonymous former lock poker pro. The person would not say who he was and would not explain why he won't say who he is. Steve knew who he was, but wouldn't reveal it. And uh, I read excerpts from the article, but I just didn't like the interview because I did not feel that this lock poker pro was truthful. I was really optimistic coming into the article, believing that I was going to read the inside dirt on lock that I never got to know. But it sounded like the pro was already making excuses for his own behavior with staying with Locke as long as he did, uh, rather than really giving us very much inside information. And in fact, a lot of the interview was him blaming 2 plus 2 and other outside forces for Locke's problems, which I thought was uh, pretty bad. But that was last week. I'm not going to talk about it again this week. But what I will talk about this week are two things pertaining to that article. Number one, there is some suspicion as to who that might be, who this anonymous Lock Poker Pro might be. I'll get to that shortly, but first I'm going to read you the additional portions of the article that were going to make it in the article, but were cut out for whatever reason. Steve-O has revealed those since then. So this is what that pro had to say about the different tiers of sponsorship. And when I'm referring to sponsorship, I'm talking about uh, the site pros. Uh, yeah, that there was different, they weren't all created equal, much like on Full Tilt. You know, like on Full Tilt, you had Ivy getting a million a month and other red pros just getting rake back. Um, similar on Lock Poker, but to a lesser extreme, to where uh, people got different amounts of money. So this pro was explaining that. And uh, let me get to that here. Where is it here? Okay. There were different tiers of sponsorship. The lower level guys just got a rake back deal and usually a bonus if they hit a certain amount of rake between them and their affiliates. The worst part is that the site was giving out better rake-back deals to non-pros. Some guys with the rake races and VIP were actually making over 100% rake-back or very close to 100% rake-back. So what what is being said here is that, interestingly, some of the lock pros were actually compensated less than others who were non-pros who were just heavy players in the site. He goes on to write, Everyone had their own rake goal to hit to make the bonus. Some people, it was 12K, others it was 15K. Also depends on what their affiliates were doing. The top dogs could easily clear 15K rake from their affiliates in a month, and all it really took was getting one or two super grinders under your name. Heads up sit-and-go players or mid-stakes cash players would literally print money for you. So he's referring to the affiliates here, how much money they were making, that um, they could be making 15K a month month in uh, revenue. 
it, once you just get uh, a few people signed up who play very heavily on the site. The better-known players were making a salary, but it wasn't a ton of money. He's probably referring to, uh, you know, Annette Oberstad, Michael Mizraki, etc. Some pros were making 3K a month regardless of how much they played. I'm sure it's probably the same people. All money was paid to players' lock poker accounts. None of it was just sent Western Union or Skrill, so any money made through sponsorship was still Monopoly money until a cash-out cleared. That's very interesting. Which means, depending upon their channels to cash out, the pros really weren't making as much as people thought. For example, is there any difference having $1 million on the site and having $10 million if you can only get off 5 k a month? Exactly. It's, it's kind of like having a, a bum in the street owe you $100 million. That doesn't mean that you have $100 million to your name. That means uh, the guy owes you $100 million and will never pay. So, um, interesting that everybody, including the grinder, were getting lock poker payments <laughs> instead of uh, checks or bank wires or e-payments in some way. I have to imagine that's why some of them dropped out just because they couldn't get the money. They're like, well, the money I'm making is nice, but if I can't ever get it, then it's useless. Uh, before I continue, let me take this phone call. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, is this Todd Watillis? It is. Hey, Todd. What's going on, Legend? Legend, okay. So who's calling here? This is actually Well Limited Poker Radio. We wow, heard so you guys we, were podcasting. Wow, okay, so we have uh, a radio show on another radio show. Oh, absolutely. You got Spa, Joe Ucello, and Pika. Really? So, okay, Asian Spa, uh, are you using your regular voice? What's going on, Todd? Oh, that's your real voice then? No, no voice changer this time? No changer. Wow, wow. So I, I don't think I've ever heard the real Asian Spa before. Maybe I'll have to co-host with you one night. Yeah, you will. I'd love that. You know, Asian Spy, he's like a ninja at the World Series. I'm, I'm telling you guys, it's amazing. Uh, for example, I was on my phone. It was actually Ken Scaler who called me during a Limit Hold'em event. And um, I, I popped up because I wasn't in the hand. And I basically told Ken, hey, I can't talk right now. Uh, i got to get back to the table. Uh, limit poker hands don't take very long. I didn't miss any hands. I will never miss any hands at a tournament. I'm a very big nit like that. So, uh Anyway, I wasn't on the phone very long, but I sat back down, and then I get a tweet very shortly afterwards from Asian Spa saying, Todd would tell us, get off the phone, sit back down, and concentrate on the game. And so I'm like, what? Where the hell is he? So I'm looking around, and this is actually a table that was way off in the corner of the Amazon room at the Rio, so it was not easy to observe from most of the room. So I'm thinking this guy has to be fairly close, and I could not find him. I looked around. I actually stood up and walked around. I could not find the guy. He was a ghost. This is my uh, Asian reflexes getting the hell out of the way. But I, <laughs> I do remember tweeting that to you. Yeah, yeah, your Asian reflexes. They were pretty good. I mean, you just you just disappeared immediately. And, uh, and I was even standing up walking around on the phone, and I didn't see anyone standing there. So they're pretty good. So, is this the normal lineup on uh, Low Limit Poker Radio, the three of you? Uh, no, it's actually usually Joe and myself. Uh, we did ask Spa to come on. It's uh, April Fool's, and I wanted to congratulate you and wish you a happy April Fool's. Okay, did you, hear nobody the, did you hear the beginning of the show? No, I didn't, actually. Uh, there, there was an argument at the beginning of the show, an argument in my household at the beginning, which, uh, you know, some people... Uh, 
Some people are questioning, but there was an argument. That's all I'll say. And then I, I got going and I, I put it behind. So we have to catch it tomorrow on Stitcher. Well, it won't be tomorrow. It'll be. I'm pretty fast with getting this stuff up there. I, uh, I'm pretty dedicated to this sort of thing. Might be tomorrow technically. Might be after midnight, but who knows? So Asian Spa. Uh, I, I would love to have you as a co-host. By sometime. the way, Todd. Yeah. By the way, Todd, we called the Mount Charleston Rotary dial phone. That's great. And look, you got right through. Just wanted to make sure it worked. I, on the first shot, on the first shot, it just forwarded right to me. I went to go see that phone. In fact, I, I took pictures of myself going to visit the phone. Uh, I took Benjamin with me, and he played in the snow over there. There is actually some snow on Mount Charleston. And uh, I'm glad you're putting that phone to good use. I actually let it get disconnected for a few days. I, I didn't realize that uh, I hadn't paid the bill. And you know, you know how that can happen. You know, sometimes you don't pay your Mount Charleston bill, and sometimes you can barely keep your Internet on because you owe $104. <laughs> so... You know, everybody's got problems paying bills sometimes, but uh, the, it is back online, the Mount Charleston line, as you can see, and I appreciate you guys calling. Uh, how long does your show typically run? Uh, about an hour or two, but you know what? I got a clip for you because of uh, paying the bills. I think you might like this one. Okay, go ahead. This is what I call the dollar box. If I need some money, just run for the dollar box and go get me some bread or some juice, what I need. You know, it comes ahead and you should keep one in the house. I'm just saying, if Red Man says do it, you got to do it, yeah. right? <laughs> All right. You know, I have people got t- one on top of his his refrigerator. I, I have te- I have people texting me right now, complaining that I didn't read their texts about having a boner. Like I I read those texts all the time here. There's someone who's actually mad that uh, that I'm not reading their boner text. Amazing. Hey, Is that my text? The one from the four eight zero? Yeah, I read it. All right, cool, man. I just wanted to wish you, you know, a good pocket. Usually I'd try not to podcast on the same day, but, you know, it's April Fool's. I couldn't help myself tonight. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've got a competing show here on on Tuesday night here well, on April I, Fool's. I don't think we're competing. I think right now we're kind of merged, aren't we? I was going to say, aren't we, aren't we kind of together at this point? Yeah, well, the, right, right. This is not a competition now. Right now it doesn't matter which one you have on. It's kind of like uh, one of those presidential debates where you can turn on CBS or NBC or Fox and it's all the same thing. So... <laughs> It doesn't matter which. It's just going to fuck everybody up tomorrow in the archives. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I'm. I'm glad. You know, I. I actually. I'm going to tell you this. I actually prank called another radio show, from my radio show, not just once on a previous show I was part of, but I actually pranked a, a terrestrial radio show back in 1991. That was in the same building. I really did this, and uh, the person I did it to, never knew. And they still don't know. It was a girl I did it to. And uh, she still does not know to this day that I was pranking her show for my show. So at least this isn't a prank call. <laughs> but hey, Todd, man, where are you at on your uh, lineup for your show tonight? Well, I was just starting to talk about the lock poker situation and the additional stuff that we learned from uh, the additional information released by Steve-O this week from the Lock Poker Pro the anonymous lock poker pro, and then I was going to theorize as to who that actually is. So well, that, you know what? I, I know you got that theory, and I think we got the name out there on the forums because yeah. I remember you posting it. Because I actually did look at your show to make sure, you know, we wouldn't cover the same stuff. But Joe actually kind of uncovered something about lock poker, and I think it's fitting for today. 
Really? Okay, so, so Joe, yeah. Joe, go ahead and tell us here. What did you find out? Well, we, well, we found out that um, that Lock Poker has hired uh, two new pros. Not one, but two. Wow. Um, I'm just looking up. I'm looking up their uh, names on my texts here. Um, they were Carl Ferguson and hmm. Harry Letterer. <laughs> and then in and in other news, the witness protection program for the federal government's missing two people right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that was the wrong sound effect. I meant to. I meant to. Uh, I actually meant to give you this, but I Thank hit the wrong button. I hit the wrong. I didn't mean to current affair you, but uh, <laughs> anyway. So I got a draw. Yes, I, I know you said you were looking for some co-hosts. Um, guess who's finishing up over at the area right now? Finishing up at the, at the area. Yeah. Who? Brandon Drexel Gerson himself. Oh, you mean he's finishing up uh, over there? Okay, yeah, he's well. finishing up the session right now. Well, the, um, the problem is, that... though, he was so... You know, Brandon gets kind of spooked easily from being part of this show. First, he got spooked by the whole Jacep thing, which is understandable, because yeah. that was you know, it was a pretty big situation, and I know your guy, you guys covered it as well. And uh, after that whole thing, given his close involvement with the situation, he kind of bailed out of the whole radio thing. But he was just about to come back... And then he saw the whole thing kind of got revived in a way by a certain uh, stalker out in New Hampshire who uh, still is obsessed with the situation and blaming me for it very publicly. And uh, the whole fight that's been ensuing about that is bothering Brandon enough to where he's like, hey, I I don't want to come back anymore because, uh, you know, that's the last thing I need to hear about again. So. Well, you know what? Let's get down to the lowest limits. Let's 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 do this poker radio right. I know he's been spamming on Twitter, and I know you've been on the message boards, and so was he at one time. What's the um, what, what's basically going on with that? Because I mean, low limit poker radio wants to know that. Todd, uh, okay, and I, mean, I, I said know... I wasn't going to talk about it on here, but but here's here's the basic situation that's going on. Um, about a year and a half ago, not even a year and a half ago, about 14, 15 months ago, an individual on the forums who had been trolling a lot of people and fighting with a lot of people uh, was careless with his identity because he was tweeting about this radio show from his real name Twitter account and made it clear who he was on the forum. So he, he uncovered himself, basically, accidentally. And um, this allowed users of the forum to Google his name and find old videos he made that were basically scamming people. Basically videos where he was running uh, what's known as cash gifting, which is an illegal multi-level marketing scheme. So they posted these videos on Poker Fraud Alert and saying, hey, look, you know, this is very topical. Here, here we're called Poker Fraud Alert, and one of our members here was involved in a scam. And, and here's the videos of him promoting it. So I had nothing to do with all this. I was not fighting with a guy. I actually, you know, prior to this, had no issue with a guy. I was just neutral toward him. I didn't like him. I didn't dislike him. He didn't dislike me. You know, he was a loyal listener to the show. Well, the problem began when he demanded that I take that stuff down and take down his real name. And I said, look, I can't do it. You... you made your own name public by tweeting about PFA from your own name. You knew what you were doing. Once you make your own name public, it's kind of out there. It's just like, I'm not going to 
censor my name from my site because my name is public. So, you know, once you make your own name public, that's it. And especially if someone has uncovered evidence that you've been involved in a scam in the past, uh, I think the forum should know about it. So, and again, this was someone who had been trolling a lot of the members here. This wasn't some innocent guy that was being picked on. So I said, no, I'm just going to leave it up. I'm sorry. You're the one who exposed this information yourself and people found the videos you made if they're going to post them tough luck well this just outraged the guy and made me his number one enemy he was furious about this and he started threatening me and said he wanted to kick my ass and and told me that uh you know started threatening to post information about my family members and in fact did start posting the names of my family members in the radio chat one time. So I'm finally like, hey, screw this. I'm, I'm banning the guy. I don't have to put up with this. You know, the funny thing is this was not someone I was fighting with. This wasn't an enemy of mine or someone who had been trolling me. This was someone who was mad that his own scams became exposed on the site, and I wouldn't censor it. So he went after me because I wouldn't censor it. I banned him, and this sent him on a vendetta that has not ended yet. And he's been writing article after article about me, you know, accusing me of being in cahoots with Jacep about the whole scam that got pulled with the 22Q thing and uh, saying I, um, you know, I associate with criminals and I, and I support what they're doing, which is complete BS. I mean, if there's anyone who speaks out against people who are engaging in criminal or shady activity, it's me. And I'll even do it. When I'm speaking out against people who are popular or, you know, I'm saying things that are going to make me be less popular myself in the poker community for going after people, such as, you know, those that take sponsorships with shady sites and all that. You know, I have to see these people and these people know people I know, but I say it anyway because I'm always about bringing these things forward and not worrying about my popularity. So anyway, this guy just went on a a campaign to slam my name to libel my name everywhere and make me look like I am associated with scammers and have no problem with them running their scams. And uh, this went on for a long time. At one point last year, I had a discussion with him privately on the phone, and, you know, it seemed like a productive discussion. We actually had a few phone calls that were, for the most part, civil, and he agreed he would, quote, take the inaccurate things down, and he would tone down the articles, and I was fine with that, but then he never did it. He never did it. So a lot of time passed, and uh, finally I, I just got tired of it, especially when he showed up again recently on the Internet and was bragging about how he, uh, he stood up to me and exposed all my frauds and my lies. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. So, so basically I, I gave the guy an ultimatum to remove these uh, libelous articles, and uh, that's what kicked off uh, the whole second round of this. And uh, so then the idiot went on Twitter and started spamming every one of my followers uh, false claims that I was harassing his 89-year-old mom, which I, I've never – I don't even have his mom's phone number or anything or email address. I've never contacted his mom in any way, shape, or form. Just complete lies. So the, that's the type of stuff I've been dealing with. And the, the sad thing is the reason I'm dealing with it is because I run BokerFraudAlert.com and because I would not censor material about someone being a scammer. That's a sad thing. I wouldn't censor videos in this guy's own voice and own image actually saying things that he's now ashamed of. It's not even like people posted lies about him and I wouldn't censor the lies. Here people were posting videos that he made that were not edited in any way and he wanted me to take them down because he was ashamed of them. So that's the reason I'm taking all this abuse and it's so sad because 
Um, it, it's simply because I'm the guy running the forum. There have been people out there over the years that I've picked fights with for whatever reason or another. But this is not one of them. This is not someone that I got into a fight with because I like arguing on the internet. This is really someone that went after me just because I would not censor those videos of his on my site over a year ago, and he's still at it. So uh, that's what's going on, and you know I'm, I'm handling it in various ways. And you know I, I didn't want to bring that drama to the show, but you know since you asked about it and since your listeners wanted to know about it, then that's fine. And uh, you know I know this individual said he wanted to call your show. And uh, talk about it. If he wants to call in, he can. He can call in now, and he can try to give his side, and you'll hear the truth if you get the two of us together. I think he stole his money. I think he stole his money for his phone bill, doesn't he? Yeah. That's right. He he probably can't call in. This may may be the day that he actually got got his internet turned off. (laughs) Yeah, so I, I guess the information has come out since then. That this guy is so flat broke that uh, his cable bill is uh, past due and he's slated for disconnection any day. That's what uh, was posted on my forum and it looked pretty authentic to me. And it's been known for a long time that this guy is broke. I mean, you don't run low rent cash gifting scams if if you're rich. You you just don't. Even if you're like middle class, you don't run that. Even if you're like getting by okay, you don't run scams like that because those scams don't net very much money. That's like very low-rent stuff that you only do if you are flat broke and need like very little money to to get by and pay the rent and keep the lights on. So that's the type of scam he was running. Uh, but anyway, that's that's what this individual was doing. And, you know, I don't even mind saying this, that he was running these scams, because the fact is this cash gifting thing is illegal. The fact is I have him on video talking about it and telling people to do it with him, so... You know, if I ever got pulled into court saying, uh, you know, you're slandering me, I'll say, okay, this is you on video. How am I slandering you now? Because, you know, slander and libel are only slander and libel if you're saying things that are not true. And like what he's saying about me is not true. I did not cooperate with Jacob to scam people. I didn't help cover it up. Jacob was never my close friend. In fact, Jacob and I never had a single telephone conversation. Not once. He once co-hosted this show, but, I mean, people have co-hosted this show all the time who I don't really know very well. Last week, even though, you know, I I, I don't think these guys are bad, uh, we had Level Account and Garrett being co-hosts, and I I can't vouch for either of these two guys. I don't know them very well. They're just users on the forum, and they wanted to be co-hosts on the show, and I said, sure. And that's pretty much what it was with Jacep. I had him on to the show just as a guest host, but uh, he was never my regular co-host here. I never talked to him on the phone. Never met him. This was not a friend of mine. This was not someone that I uh, helped perpetrate his scams. In fact, when it became clear that he was scamming people, or at least seemed suspicious, uh, I was at the forefront of calling it out and letting the discussion take place on my site, unedited. So that's what's going on. Don't don't forget, you and I had numerous phone calls with Brandy and with... uh, Mark, sitting back discussing all the ins and outs. I had more contact with him than you did, and I know that. 
Yeah, and that's what's so um, right, and that's what's so ridiculous. Like, of all people to blame for this whole thing, why am I getting blamed? Like, I'm not saying you should be blamed; you shouldn't. The only, the only one who really deserves blame here is Jacob himself. Jacob, who was the scammer, who was the guy who stole it from people. You know, he was the one who did it. He deserves the blame. Nobody was helping him. Not a single person was helping him. Um, he had no accomplices here. But I don't know why they're picking me because I really did not have very much association with the guy at all. And, uh, you know, yes, he was on my site, and yes, he, he co-hosted once or twice here, but he was never my friend. I never portrayed him as a close friend of mine. And, in fact, when he was being questioned on my forum, and he and others were saying, hey, you better stop this questioning of Jacep. He's a good guy. Stop dragging his name in the mud. Stop allowing this druff. I had people really, really pissed at me for allowing this discussion to occur. And I said, no, these look like good questions for Jacep. They need to be asked. I don't care who he is. And so that's definitely not the behavior of an accomplice or someone who uh, who wants to cover it up. And and believe me, it's sickened me to think about the, you know, this was happening to users on my site. And, uh, you know, obviously I wanted to get to the bottom of it. So, of course, the only reason my name was brought into it, the only reason I am being blamed for this is because this individual has a personal vendetta against me for not censoring his own scam videos that humiliated him. That's why. That's the only reason. And I can prove it. Yeah, I mean, pretty much if you go through date time groups and stamps through all the posts, you can see where the level of hatred just cranks up. So here's the chat room. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> a chat room. Um, Druff, did you pay them to call you, it says. No, I didn't. Um, Team MLK saying, oh. uh, can't call <laughs> in... Yeah. Druff can't call in Druff in his high horse two hours segment snap this off give me a shout out snap this off he's saying uh, th- these are the comments in the chat room and uh, Tim MLK is saying he can't call in that's not true he can call in I haven't gotten any calls from him not sure if I want him to call in but he can so well I'm surprised uh, in the low limit poker radio chat um, Stat has a good point here you should actually make an STP notation on your Wikipedia page to clear up this matter because uh, that's your number one on Google search. Yeah, but I, you know, I don't think I want to clutter my Wikipedia page with this nonsense. I, I, it's going to be taken care of legally pretty soon where this stuff's going to be off the Internet. When I say soon, it won't be today or tomorrow or even next week, but I, I'm in the process of getting this done. And and the one good thing, the one good thing about going against someone who's a complete failure in life and he doesn't have a penny to his name is that he does not have the resources to do any kind of protracted legal battle to keep his lies on the Internet. So I can actually get this crap off uh, through legal channels and he's not going to be able to uh, stall it like someone who has more resources and is willing to use them. So I, I guess that's the one good thing here is that uh, uh, this guy – doesn't have any kind of resources. As I said, he can barely keep the lights on. So, um... Oh, actually, Tom? Yeah. Let's just drop the 6 to thing. Okay. You all know what it is. Um, I know your show has a lot of scam shadiness and scandals, right? Yeah. Did you, uh, see the one about Susie Letterer? I did not. Now, Susie Letterer, of course, is not a poker player. Uh, she is the sister of Howard Letterer and Annie Duke. And she actually wrote a book about her life growing up with them. But I have not heard anything about Susie Letterer recently. 
Lexi? No, it's Howard's wife. It's Howard's wife. Oh, it's awesome. You know, I screwed up then. Who, who's the sister's name? Susie something. I, I was sure. I thought that was the sister. It's Kathy. I think her sister's is Kathy. All right. I, I, get, I get all these shady letterers confused. Okay, so what happened with Susie? Well, actually, Spa is the one that broke this to me. And Spa is probably the easiest one to uh, show this off. So, Spa, I'm going to let you uh, handle the business here. Okay, Todd. The uh, Women in Poker Hall of Fame. Are you familiar with that? The Women in Poker Hall of Fame? No, I know nothing about that. No, she sits on the board. Uh, Karina Jett's a member. They, you know, they induct a few people every year. And I was just Googling it one day, and I came across it somehow. And Susie Letter is on the uh, board of directors. Mm-hmm. Lupe Soda, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She heads up the lips to her. I don't know I her. fired her off an email, which I sent. Uh, Pigachar, and then she gave a great response, and I'll let him handle it from there. All right. Pigachar. Good, John. Sorry about that. Now, I know there was an email, right? Sorry about that. I was kind of distracted there for a second. And um, the email basically, this is the entire body, and I'll forward the copy of this to you, Todd. Uh, all you got to do is email me. It's pikachar at gmail.com, so that way you got the full copy of this. Yeah, so and anybody who want- wants to send a gay spam out, uh, pikachar at uh, gmail.com is is the address. Uh, go on. Mixer has animals. Animals are a bonus. Okay. But uh, everybody knows my email address. It's not really hard to guess it, you know. Um, here's the body of it. Susie has been a part of the Women in Poker Hall of Fame board since its inception. She's been an integral member of our organization. We will not ostracize her from being married to someone who has taken a fall in this industry. She was not an employee, board member, or paid staff in any way at Full Tilt, and we will not have her bear the punishment of her husband's inequity. The next paragraph is, the letters have paid the price for badly run business and will leave the punishments up to the authorities. Had Susie be been involved in a different capacity other than being married to someone involved, then perhaps we'd have a different recourse. However, this is not the case. And then the next paragraph, the Women in Poker Hall of Fame is an all-volunteer board dedicated to honoring women who have worked hard to contribute to the game of poker and those who have achieved a significant level of success. But the thing is, is if you're married to scum, right, Howard basically crooked the entire poker community, and they're still living off the pleasing. Right. That, that's the problem here is it's not just being – it's not like Howard – let's say Howard was a rapist, okay? Um, obviously, they may be a very bad thing, and it would make Susie look bad being married to a rapist. But I wouldn't say they should kick her off the board for being married to a rapist because that doesn't affect the rest of the poker community. Being a rapist would only affect the people that, that you rape and, and their family members. Um, wh- what Howard did was steal so much money. You know, over a hundred million dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, he and the and the rest of the board stole from the poker community, and the only reason we're getting that money back is because poker stars bailed them out. But that's totally separate. Uh, truthfully, uh, it was a very good chance that we were going to get nothing back, and that hundreds of millions of dollars, thanks to Howard and the other three board members, were going to be gone because they stole it. And indeed, they are living off proceeds. Made from full tilt, and I don't know how Howard got to keep as much money as he did, but uh, any guy who has like an obscene number of birthday cakes for his 50th birthday 
and, and lives in this huge house. And you know, the, obviously the guy walked away with so much money despite all of that being gone from, you know, from, from the full tilt player funds. So basically we lost all our money and Howard didn't lift a finger to pay any of that back to the community. He just said, F you, come get it. Come try to get it from me. And I agree that um, if she is married to him and she is benefiting from that money, I can understand why people would not feel comfortable with that, with her being on the board, even though the Women's Hall of Fame is not a very major, uh, it's not a very major thing in poker. In fact, I hadn't even heard of it before. But uh, but still, I, I can understand why this bothers people, that she's living off of full tilt money. No, that was my whole argument, Todd. I mean, yeah, she uh, she's never had a job, and she she's living a great life, and it's all because of us. Yeah, how come Howard's not broke after so, Full Tilt lost all their money? How come how come he doesn't lose all his money? How come we lose but he doesn't? Like, why is right. that fair? And then if why if she has no ties to Full Tilt or any of that stuff, then why is she even on their board? Yeah, she's not like a huge business owner that can make great decisions. Nah, you I know, mean, all she can do is sit back and rake in the cash. Now, the truth is here that this is kind of like a, a, probably a group of friends, a group of uh, female poker players or people associated with poker who are female that are friends that created this Women's Hall of Fame and they're probably all close to each other and they, they probably all go have lunch together like they're on The View. You know, like, They probably don't want to kick out one another. So as far as they're concerned, like, they're going to try to make excuses not to. And I'll say it's not as clear-cut of a case as kicking someone like Howard, who directly stole the money off the board. But but I have to agree, if she's married to him, stays married to him, and continues to live off the stolen money, then, then yeah, I, I would think that uh, it's not appropriate to have her on any board in poker. And, and I, I really do want to see everybody who is involved in any of the theft or cheating in these scandals in poker just shut out of the community. That's always been my position. Yeah, and you know what? I don't know. If if you rape or you're associated directly with raping a community, you should definitely feel a little bit of the heat. And I'm talking about directly as in you're married, living off the dividends. Because, I mean, you're just as equal. Well, you're not just as equally guilty of doing it, but you're benefiting from it. Yeah, you're benefiting from it. Exactly. I don't think she should go to jail for this, but I think that uh, the money should have been confiscated a long time ago. And it, since it wasn't, at the very least, the community should say, like, we want nothing to do with the letterers. I, I got a question from the chat room, which is a good one, from Hotshot74. Uh, is Annie Duke part of the Women's Hall of Fame? That's actually a good Negative. Oh, good. I can't, I can't believe she's not, but I'm glad she's not. <laughs> Oh. No, and it's it's something just to look at, Todd, when you get a minute, just to look it up. they got a web page. Okay. I, I, when I sent the email to their head, I copied Susie on the email, so she I'm not talking behind her back. I put it out there. I'm surprised Annie's not in there because, you know, here Susie is uh, her sister-in-law, and it can't be argued that Annie hasn't been a successful poker player. She, as far as female poker players are concerned, you know, she's one of the most successful ones. So... I'm surprised she's not in there. I just think all the women hate her, though. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> so, all right. That's, that's, it's not surprising, though. Fortunately, it's not a, a, an important position. 
the Women's Poker Hall of Fame. So, all right, what else you guys got? Yeah, like you said, it's like the view. I mean, they're not going to kick off a whole bunch of people. But uh, actually, I just got uh, tweeted at from Kessler. He wants to get on the show. Yeah, I saw that. I got that tweet, too. Well, you want to call him? You can put him on. Why not? All right. Let's call him. We've never had Kessler on this show before. Kessler was on uh, another show I was once part of, but uh, not this show. Not Poker Fraud Alert. And I actually kind of meant to ask him to come on at some point, but just like many people I've meant to ask, it just I end up not doing it for whatever reason. Are you putting Kessler on? Call okay. him right now. Oh, you have his phone number here. Wow. There you go. Hey, you don't have to tell him what my name I stored it for. Hello. hello? Is this Alan Kessler? Hello? Alan Kessler, hello. Yeah. Alan, don't sound You're surprised. You, you, you said you want to be on the radio, so we call you and you're acting shocked. Alan, hello. What's going on? <laughs> Alan, have you gotten enough sleep lately? You seem, yeah, really confu- you seem confused. Now, you tweeted us you'd like to be on the show here. You're on the combined Poker Fraud Alert Low Limit Poker Radio Show. And so we called you, and now you seem kind of like surprised and confused that we called you. No, I am, I am surprised that you called. Why didn't you get my number? <laughs> so, so wait a minute. Away back from the penny machine. So wait a Alan, minute. Hold push on, Alan. Away from the penny machine. Rub your hands through your hair and wake up. So wait a minute. So you are surprised we right. called yeah. you, even though you told us to call you, just because you thought we didn't have your number. I mean, the like if you want us to call you, then we're going to call you. You can't really blame us for that. No. I, so what? What is your show about? Well, uh, there's two actually two shows combined right now. Uh, I don't know exactly what the mission statement is for the other show. Uh, uh, Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I'm I'm Todd Dandruff Wittellis, and you know you know me, and I know you. Um, I do this show. Todd, I have something for you to investigate. Oh, I have something for you to investigate. Good, it's good. very interesting. But I, th- yeah, this is the show exactly just, as it sounds. I just Poker Fraud Alert. On the, uh... Yeah, I just, it's a poker fraud alert. I just okay. posted it on 2 Plus 2 under MTTC Live, which I'm sure you're familiar with. The chip counts in the WPT playground did not add up correctly. Oh, no. Another one of these situations. Where they, the chip counts are wrong. We check keep having it's this very happen. Interesting. I, I can't check it out right now, it's but I will check it out. It's off by 500,000 chips. Wow. It's off by 500,000 chips at the final table. And then somehow when they're heads up, they gain 125,000 of those chips back at the final table. This happens over and over. We're having so many instances of this recently where there's some issue with the chips, whether it's counterfeit chips, whether it's chips being smuggled out, whether it's the chips not adding up right. So, so I'm, I'm sorry. You're saying that the, the count is off by 500,000. Is that uh, too many or too few? It was actually too few. There was chips missing at the final table. Uh, but then 125,000 of those chips reappeared at the final table. <laughs> Check it out. I posted the exact numbers on that thread on 2 Plus 2. It's very so they, interesting. Wow. So they disappeared and then they I, actually I, came I worked, back. I, I actually stopped playing at that place because there were two issues. The tournament that I played there uh, like a year and a half ago that I couldn't tolerate. The first one was 
there was a torn bag at my table on day two. And the uh, guy with the torn bag said that he, uh, he was short, like, uh, 14,000 or 15,000 chips. And they just miraculously said, well, we had these chips waiting. We were, we were unclear where they came from. And they brought him like, just those 15,000 chips. But if that was the case, if they had these 15,000 chips, and they would have just looked around and see if there was a torn bag in the tournament. So the whole you thing know, I, I, have to, I have to tell you that on, I've always felt that uh, on, I've always been afraid that ahead. this would happen. I've always been afraid. Every time I bag up chips, I'm always like super paranoid I'm going to come back and the bag will be open and chips will have disappeared. Like I'm always terrified this is going to happen even though it's never happened to me once. Yeah, but that, so that was one incident. And then later on in that same tournament, there was a really honest person who told the uh, people, it was like, I don't know, two or three tables left, you can look it up. Anyway, he told the floor people that he had like over a million extra chips from the color-up. Because they, they do color-ups there when people are not present, which is one of my huge pet peeves. So because of those two reasons and some other things, issues with those people, I stopped going there. So I saw they had a million-dollar car. I said, you know what, let me check the chip counts. I bet you they're not even close to being right. And lo and behold, they're off by 500,000, which is a huge number considering there's only 1,000 people in the tournament. And which, uh, which, uh, you know, where is this? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't get uh, which casino is this at. It's called uh, Playground Poker in, in Canada. They're a uh, WPC. Oh, authority. the Canadians, huh? The Canadians are having a problem. It was a, a, a $1,000 main event uh, Canadian championship with a million dollar guarantee. And somehow there's 500,000 chips missing at the final table. So many of these situations, and I, I always thought that there needs to be some better checks and balances in these processes with the chips. It just, uh, it's a mess, and I think, I think this isn't really new. I think it's only being caught and discovered more now than it used to be. What do you think about that? Yeah, there, there's, this, there's this new trend now where these places like Cincinnati just did it and uh, the Chicago Poker Classic is doing it, where they have like multiple day ones. And you can bring, you get paid for advancing in any day one, and you get to bring your biggest stack back. Oh yeah, two. I heard about that. I heard so basically right. Yeah, so basically, all they're what they're doing is they're saying, please cheat in my tournament because if if you're going to advance to day two, you're going to still get paid and bring as many chips from that pile back to day two when we start because you can just keep some of those chips and, and nobody will, you know, like it doesn't cost you anything if you have like say you have a sixty thousand chip advancing stack. And now on another starting day, you have like 28,000. There's no nothing at all to stop you from taking 15,000 of those chips and adding it to your 60,000. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You're getting paid for the you're getting paid for the 28,000 chips anyway. Boy, that's just that so really it doesn't is, make any difference. Like that really is an invitation. Well, to well, well another another scenario okay, for that. Alan, let's that kind of light. Yeah, another another scenario for that exact type of tournament where. You get paid for every time you advance and you keep your biggest stack is you have some, you know, really nice advancing stack and your friend doesn't have a nice advancing stack. So late in the, like on the last level or so, you dump almost all right, your chips right. to your friend, leaving enough chips that you'll definitely advance and you get paid for advancing and your friend gets a higher stack to start a day two. Like, or if you already have the like previous stack. scenario for cheating. Yeah, or if you already have the previous stack and you know you're going to advance, you just dump the remainder of your stack there to your friend. Yeah, that's a lot of ways it can happen. So uh, Yeah, yeah. But you, you leave yourself one or two chips so that 
you get paid for advancing. You get paid every time you advance. It's like the ultimate system for cheating, the way they have these new tournaments set up. So you have multiple flights with, uh, you get paid every time you advance, and you keep your biggest stack. It's like telling telling people, please smuggle chips, please dump chips, whatever. It's like the chips have no value if, if you anyway. You're gonna you're gonna keep your biggest stack anyway. You know, I have a question so for you. Since this is uh, in Canada, it's a Canadian tournament. Is this perhaps managed by the Kawanakis? <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but uh, it's playground poker. They they do a lot of world poker tournaments. Okay, okay. Hey, it's Alan, let's book a flight to Cincy. What's that? Let's book a flight to Cincinnati. Let's get in those tournaments. I'll help you. You help. Yeah, me. those those just those just finished, but there's a very similar one happening in Chicago this month. It's called the Chicago something or other. Let's go. Uh, my whole my whole schedule is already preset until the end of May. So. Uh, you know what's funny? I actually made. I was making a joke about the Kawanakis. The funny thing is, I was just informed in uh, in chat by Kevmath and others. Yes, it actually is <laughs> regulated by the Kawanakis. That's pretty bad. It says it's owned by them, and uh, it's on their re- the reservation. Wow, that, that explains everything. Pretty bad. Yeah, and, uh, by uh, I was just in uh, what do you call it in St. Louis, and they said we have to finish all our tournaments by midnight tonight. I said why. I said because they say because we're closing the casino at midnight and we're going to have a new owner tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. You know, uh, Tunica's closing. Harris Tunica is closing pretty soon. Yeah, that's already. Yeah, but this uh, Lumiere place that I was just at and World Series Circuit event, they um, they were sold and they had to finish all their events by midnight because the uh, they're going to be called the Tropic or they're owned by Tropic County after midnight or something. So. so. You had to get everything resolved before it, didn't they? It's pretty ridiculous. It kind of reminds me of the old uh, Playboy Mansion tournament where they ran out of time and cheated a poor Terrence Chan out of a seat, thanks to Joy Miller. That was a fun story. Okay, so uh, Alan oh, Kessler. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was interesting. Yeah. It, actually, that story, because I took Terrence's side in a forum post, made Joy Miller hate me forever. That I, I that got an enemy for life thanks to that. It seems like I, I just get involved in like very small ways and things, then I get enemies somehow. I, I don't know how that happens. Was that you that was involved in that hand at the wind that I that crazy hand at the wind and then we uh, we, we lodged it, you lodged a complaint and they were going to give you your money back and then, yeah was yeah that you or that was somebody else no that was me Alan Kessler one of my first experiences with him was at the win I think it was in two thousand seven uh, at at the win classic long time ago. yeah it was at the win classic it was the first year they were running it where the chips were very poorly colored to where they were uh, I think it was like a hundred dollar chip and a five hundred dollar chip were this almost the same color so. People were making mistakes with betting them, and what ended up happening, you know, Kessler was at my table. It, the hand didn't involve him, but what happened was uh, I had pocket tens. I raised before the flop, and someone flatted, I think, from the small blind. Uh, I put out a continuation bet on the flop, which was king high, and the person threw out what they attempted to make a raise, but was not more than one and a half times my bet, so it had to be a call by, you know, standard tournament rules. And so the guy, like the dealer said raise, then Kessler actually pointed out, no, that's a call. And I said, and so then I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to give away that I only had 10s. I, depending upon what way the ruling was going to go, I didn't want to give away my hand strength. So I was letting Kessler do the talking or everybody else. But anyway, um, the dealer's just sitting like a dope, not figuring out what to do. And I'm thinking, this is so obvious. It doesn't matter what you meant to bet. 
if you accidentally throw out the wrong bet, tough luck on you. That's that's the way tournaments work. I've been on the other side of that, where I've bet the yeah, wrong so what thing. Chips, what chips did they throw out? I forget what they threw out. Uh, what happened was, um, I think I bet a thousand dollars. I don't remember the exact amount. It was something like I bet a uh, thousand, and they raised it to uh, to thirteen hundred, uh, meaning to make it over two thousand. But they threw out hundreds in place of five hundreds. It was something like that, where they definitely made less than one and a half times my bet. So. So okay, that's, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so, right, so, so what happened they was... Took the, they took that bet back, right? So, no, so they called the supervisor over, and of course I wanted it to just be a call because I wanted to see if I could spike my 10 on the turn. I, now I see the guy wants to raise me. Obviously I can't, I can't call if he's making uh, some kind of uh, decent-sized raise, and I was fairly short-stacked. Um, I wanted to get a free shot at the two-outer, and so it was to my advantage if it was just a call. Anyway, they called the floor man over who, believe it or not, ruled that because the guy meant to raise, that he gets to raise me a min-raise. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, I don't care what you meant to do. So so they called over the supervisor, and the supervisor agreed and said, uh, or sorry, it wasn't it. That, that was, they couldn't call a supervisor. The supervisor, quote, wasn't available. And I was told that I have to either call the min-raise or fold. And those are my options. So I folded. And I was pissed. Yeah, at that the, was, I remember it was ridiculous, the rule of... Yeah, and it's, you know, so I couldn't believe this, that a very, very obvious ruling was made against me like this. You know, that totally should have been a call because the guy, quote, meant to raise. Uh, so anyway, I complained about this later to the tournament director who agreed with me and agreed that he should have been called and agreed the whole thing was handled wrong and promised a very generous thing to me that they would give me my full $1,060 buy-in back, which I couldn't believe. I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for you know something back, but not, not $1,060. For the whole buy-in, but I said, "Great, the guy's offering." It yeah, to that's me. so. Did you ever get that back? Or no, that? no. The amazing thing is, he went. He must have told his boss about this, and they must have refused. So what happened was, after he promised this to me, then he never returned my phone calls. And every time I kept calling him, he wouldn't. He wouldn't answer my call. And over and over and over, he just ignored me, ignored me, ignored me. Finally, I had to go in and track him down in person. At which point, he said to me. Oh, I'm sorry. I lost my notes. I don't remember any of this anymore. And and then when I got to wow. speak to his boss, his boss said, uh, "The most we can give you is a steak dinner for this." They told me, and and that was it. So I, I stopped playing their tournaments ever since then. That was uh, that was it. They, they, the whole thing was a big cover up. They promised me my buy in back and then covered the entire thing up like they never did. And by the way, this guy, I think his name was uh, David Eggleston. Did you actually ever return there, or you never played there since? I, I've played in the cash room, but only when there's like some unusual game going that uh, nobody knows about. And it's, uh, but I've never played their tournament since then. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the, the worst part was you know promising me this and then covering it up and not returning my calls because they're embarrassed to tell me that they're not going to give it to me after all. So very shady. I think the guy's name was David Eggleston who promised it to me. And he doesn't work there anymore. He got fired after yeah, that. Yeah, he's not there anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, all those people, what they did was they basically hired the Venetian staff to work there and then Venetian because they're staff. Well, I mean, that's actually good because what I found out afterwards was that this David Eggleston, the woman who made this bad ruling against me, and his boss, all three of them went back like over 10 years knowing each other and were all friends. So basically, they were all covering for each other. So. Anyway, yeah. that that was the that was very disheartening, and you know, that was, I was going to make a big deal about it, and then I was waiting until the next one came around to make a big deal about it. But if you remember, 
in early 2008, which is when the next one came, there was a much bigger story out there, and that was the UB story. So no one would have listened about this. I decided not even to bother because everyone was thinking about UB in, in February 2008. So anyway, uh, Kessler, do you have anything else for us tonight? No, I've been on some uh, campaigns. I think I pretty much won my campaign against six next. Uh, at 36 players in the World Poker Tour, that was a huge thing. I was involved. I was really upset about that. But, uh, it seems like they're not going to be doing it anymore. I have a separate question for you. I, a few things I want to ask you about. Is it really true? I, I heard, like, you, it's a thing of legends here, that back when they had the vouchers, that you would actually pull the trick of registering for tournaments and then unregistering, getting the money back and keeping the voucher. Did this actually happen? No, that's the whole thing is a rumor. But I, a rumor. I also offered I offered anyone that could prove that that actually took place that I you know that I that I did this say twenty or like even ten times. Uh, but I offered them. I forget what I offered, but nobody could ever prove that I did that. Yeah, you know, uh, I think it would have actually worked. I, I think they probably were not gonna. They probably weren't with it enough at the poker cashier there at the World Series to demand the voucher back. That's just my guess. And like, what if you lost? First it? of like, all, I never buy in. I never buy in like more than like one one event ahead of the time because I never know what I'm going to advance in. Yeah. So like, for some somebody to say I would buy like walk in and like with like forty or fifty thousand dollars and buy in fifteen events at a time and get the vouchers, that's totally ridiculous. I never ever have done that. So yeah. And here's another question for you. Uh, do you still play slots? Yeah, I play slots every day. Okay, and so I, I presume you're a Caesar seven star, right? Yeah, I have a seven star card. Yeah. You're a seven star. Have you noticed uh, that they've been very poor, especially this year, at communicating the seven stars benefits? Like here, like on April first, that's supposed to be like the first day of the seven stars year. They still haven't sent a lot of stuff to people. Do you know about that? I don't know. I think that this huge. Mail or that, uh, I didn't really look at it. It was look, look like a booklet of some kind. Yeah, I'm su- surprised you of, of all people world don't. Series, uh, I'm surprised you of all people. Speaking of the World Series, yeah, yeah, but uh, you mentioned the World Series. There's this huge outcry on Twitter today that somehow the uh, that circuit championship, where like all these grinders have been playing all year to qualify in the circuit championship thing. Yeah. Anyway, they're they're eliminating six of the circuit grinder seats and giving them to some. Like online qualifier thing. Actually, Alan, it should be yeah. on a free roll online. And I think one of them's uh, given. Now, I don't know if that's an April Fool's oh, joke. Oh, I, I got an email but, about this. I got an email about Is it like that national championship No, thing? this is a true thing. This is not an April Fool's joke or anything. No, no, okay, I don't think it's April Fool's. I got an email about like about no, a. I, is this about the WSOP national championship? Is that what it is? Yes, people have been playing all year to get in this championship, and supposedly six of the seats now are going to be given away online. Yeah, yeah, I got an email about right. I got yeah. an email about if you want to make it into this national championship, uh, do blah 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 online wsop.com. I just deleted it, but I remember I saw it today. So, so they're actually yeah, removing... it's, it's not a, it's not a world it's not a it's not a um, I don't even know the particulars of it. You probably investigated further since you guys are good at that. But you see players in there, like players that are trying to qualify, like. If you look at Jamie Kerstetter's uh, Twitter, and there's a few others, they're really concerned about this because they're like grinding, like right on the edge of getting in, in or out of the. So now, did, hold on, did Caesar's promise? More spots is a big deal, though. Did Caesar's promise that a certain number of spots 
would get in, and now they're going back on it. Is that what happened? I haven't really followed the whole thing, to be honest with you. But I, I know last year I qualified easily, and I wasn't even care, I didn't even care about it. And this year I'm I'm way out of the out of the loop because I only have 40 points, even though I'm going to play some events coming up. So I'm not really all I know is there's a, there's all these questions on on um, Twitter today, like like well, how are these people getting in, and are they taking our spots and whatever? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. If they you know, know, these people they spend a whole year of their life trying to get this one ten thousand dollars seat. So. I, you know, well, I, you know what, what I have you to know. say here is if, if this was not a predetermined number of spots uh, or it wasn't at least implied that there would Kemper be this many. probably knows the answer. If he's, if, he's, if he's listening to you and on the chat, he probably knows more about it than I do. I'm not really sure what the, what the whole – And then Kevin Matt's actually know, saying that's not the case. It's really uh, interesting story. There are always going to be at least four seats given away online. So I, I don't know. This may be a – a lot over nothing. But I do have a question for you about the World Series. Uh, how do you feel about the fact that right, the, the little one for one drop, that they take the same rake on that as they do for the regular $1,000 events? Do you think that's right or wrong? No, I, I, I refused to play that event last year. It's got like a, um, like a $200, uh, $211 rake or something like that. Yeah, well, what I find tournament. right, what I find really bad more than what the rake is, is that the players are contributing all the money to charity, and Caesars is giving nothing, and they're charging the full juice on it and keeping it. So for them, they make the full money they would on a thousand dollar event, and the extra hundred eleven dollars all comes from the players. And even worse, only Caesars can claim, can claim it on their taxes. You can't even do that. So uh, it's. Well, I'm sure the. I'm sure an individual player can share that receipt and say they gave $111 to No, they, can, they right? actually Why can't. They no, they, they actually can't because it's actually them not giving directly. They're actually entering, entering a $1,111 tournament, and then Caesars is then re-giving the money away to the charity. So you can't. But know, That uh, sounds kind of weird. But I know, I know in the million-dollar tournament, which costs it, – it, it doesn't seem like it costs much to run, but it actually does with all the – you know the staff and the dealers, and you know the, uh, it's a it's a, like a three or four day tournament. The um, the World Series covers all the expenses of that tournament. They don't they don't get one penny from any of the players in the million dollar one drop. So that I mean that's a uh, huge expense in the World Series actually. Well, it is, but uh, the point that's separate though. The, the little one for one drop. The point is they shouldn't be making full money on that. They should at least have like reduced juice on that or, or part of the juice goes to the one drop. They shouldn't be keeping all the juice that they normally would from a regular tournament. Yeah, Otherwise, I, think a, I think a good compromise in a situation like that would be to say um, that if they want to charge that juice, they could charge like say um, 11, 11 and then give the, give $50 of the juice to the charity. That's what I was saying. Yeah. And then the other $50 goes, yeah, something like that. But I, when I saw that, I said, you know, I just uh, I just passed on that event because I said, you know, just it's just too much. It's yeah, 20, you know, I'm saying juice. it's not a charity but, tournament if they're making money from it. They shouldn't be they shouldn't be have to be losing money from it, but they should not be making money from it, and they are. So that's that's what I don't like about well, it. Well, it costs a huge amount of money to run that tournament. I mean, you're talking thousands and thousands of players and dealers and. They can't, you can't expect them to run that whole tournament for free. No, I'm maybe, not. I'm not. That's why I'm saying they should know, run it at cost, but they shouldn't run it uh, to make money, which they are. So Yeah, maybe give like um, 25 or, or $50 of each entry towards the charity. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I, so anyways, I would think it would cost them at least $50 a player to run that tournament. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Kessler, thank you for coming on here and, and appreciate you coming on. Let's see if the chat room has any questions for you. Chat room, anything here for Alan Kessler. 
Oh, I'm playing. I'm playing in my first uh, tournament where I actually wrote the entire structure tomorrow on Friday. Really, you you wrote the structure? Yeah, I was in this tournament in Baton Rouge about a month ago. Maybe yeah, about a month ago, and the tournament structure was horrible. Like they didn't even have five hundred a thousand. Like yeah, a thousand dollar buy-in. Like there's ridiculous tournament, right? and um, the reason I went there was just like to boycott this other tournament at the. Uh, at the uh, Commerce, uh, it was a thousand-dollar Omaha. I didn't like the structure on that, so I said, "If anybody has any tournament on this day, I'll go." So anyway, that was the tournament I picked. Anyway, so I wind up there, and the tournament structure is lousy. So the guy comes up to me and he says, "Listen, if you don't like it, write, here's our structure sheet. Write down what you'd like. We have to finish it in two days, and <laughs> that's the reason we skip all these levels and why we do it this way. And if you can come up with something better, we'll try it." Wow. So anyway, I took like ten minutes. I write down on this paper what to do, and all of a sudden there's these press releases on Poker News and whatever that, I, that they're using this chainsaw-proof structure and they're redoing. Anyway, the first one was last week in Wisconsin, and it was a huge success. It's called the uh, MSPT, Mid-States Poker Tour. Yeah. And the next one is this weekend. It's, it's got a 300000 guarantee. And if you go to their website, right at the top, it's got my picture. It says chainsaw design structure or whatever. Now, 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 tell me the um, truth here. Have you ever had a dream that you actually wrote the structure and then got to play in it? Has that dream ever no, happened? You never had a dream like that? It's going to happen. I mean, I just, I'm actually, just thinking the, that. Has... Um, it, the, the parks, big stack structure that they have, the really successful structure at the parks. One day at the, at the Borgata, we're sitting, I'm sitting at dinner with Mac Lance, and he says to me, you know, we're thinking of running this thing called the parks, big stacks. And, uh, we start writing down the structure, and we basically use, we use that structure. So we basically wrote that together, and uh, so that's the only other time that I had like written out of whole structure. I know, I know. I'm just saying here because this I know one, you're actually giving me credit. And I know you've been very big on the structure thing. Kind of I know you've been very big on the structure thing for all these years, and I would think that actually getting to write your own structure and playing the tournament that's got to be like better than sex for you. <laughs> wow. Well, it's still kind of a fast tournament. It's finished in, it finishes in two days. But the thing is, with this, with this revised version, if you compare it to the old version, you play. They wound up playing every level, and people were, were they, they were shocked when they came here because they this this series has been in existence for years now, and every tournament people were complaining and they were saying, well, we have to do it this way to get you through, and they finally did this structure and it came out. You know, they had like thirty or forty blinds at the final table. Everything was perfect. Really, okay. really so, so I have a question. So not they were to, really thankful about that. I, I have a question not related yeah, to to, uh, to poker here. Uh, the, the question is: Are there any eateries in Las Vegas that still need to ask Alan baked or mashed potatoes? Oh, yeah. I, I posted this thing to the uh, the M Resort was boasting about their uh, buffet the other day. Uh-huh. So I posted a response that. Um, I didn't like that they went to do skins in the mashed potatoes. Like, who wants that in the mashed potatoes? <laughs> you know, it's funny. So, it's actually anyway, funny because that, I, that I, post has been like retweeted. It was on blogs. It's been everywhere. I actually but, dated you know, a girl. I go to that buffet quite a bit. You know what? I actually I lived near there, and uh, I dated a girl for a while. Upsetting. 
I dated a girl for a while who absolutely hated skin and the mashed potatoes. I think he would have gotten along well with her. And so much that she demanded I ask them if they had skin in the mashed potatoes every time we were out to dinner. And this stuck with me so much that even when I am with my current girl, who has no problem with skin in the mashed potatoes, I still ask it because I, like, I feel like I have to and get yelled at. So... I, I think that... Uh, well, what, like, what's the reason for putting the skin in the mashed potatoes? Like, why would anybody want that? <laughs> I don't understand this. You know, uh, I heard, I heard the I ones... This, I heard the I ones... I one the... innocent tweet to Emory Resort, and it got retweeted and kicked up by Bluff. It's been all over the place. Wow. Well, I, I have to tell you, the there's two different terms. You should watch out for this. Mashed potatoes are supposed to be potatoes without skin, and smashed potatoes, that's with an S, smashed potatoes are the ones with the skin. That's what I heard. So I'd watch out. I would not right. ever order I, I, smashed potatoes if I were you. If I wanted to eat the skin, I would order it's like a baked potato and eat the skin or whatever. But nobody, <laughs> like nobody buys a, nobody orders a baked potato and eats the skin on the baked potato. They eat the middle of the baked potato. That's a good point. That's a good point. They're just. Uh, I mean, what's the point of it? They're including extraneous parts of the potato there, and Alan Kessler's not going to have that. Okay, so the chat room is very happy that uh, this question has been asked, and. Uh, I guess the last question is: uh, Someone says that they you also demand skinless fried chicken at KFC. Is that true? No, actually, yeah. I, they, I, they have this this new thing: this boneless fried, this boneless breaded chicken at the at KFC. It's phenomenal. Really, I haven't tried. I don't the, know how they make it actually, but it's 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 unbelievable. I it's remember like, that. I remember that commercial. Like, um, they, they had a bunch of commercials for it, where like these really loud black people would. Yeah, shout, oh my god! I ate the bones! I ate the bones! I ate the bones! Excellent. Yeah, not the side. Alan. Alan, when was the last time you paid for a buffet at the M Resort? I've probably eaten at that buffet uh, at least five hundred times. That, have you paid for it ever? No, I never would pay. Wow. They have a deal. The, the M Resort has a really good deal. Uh, any day you walk in, there's a chart, and if mm-hmm. you play like some ridiculous small amount of coin in through the machines, you get a free buffet. Wow! And the uh, it's like a really good deal. So I, and it's one of the best buffets in town anyway. But I live like two miles from there, and I go there all the time. So all right, it winds up whenever there. I always play whatever the minimum is anyway. Okay. Well, well another question from uh, Little Women Poker Radio Stat. What about twice baked potatoes? What's your stance on that structure? I don't eat any potato that has any kind of bacon or any any other condiments in it. So it's got to be a plain baked potato with butter. That's it. Plain baked potato, butter. Uh, do you have a preference yeah. on the skin color? Like originally, does it have? I don't eat the color? skin. I only eat the center. Yeah, he doesn't. We yeah, already established he doesn't eat the skin. But, uh... The outside color of the potato. Do you like the red potatoes? Do you like the yellow potatoes, the brown ones? I don't care. I don't care what kind of potato it is as long as it doesn't have any skin on it. I, I just don't like the, the whole idea of the skin on the potato. It's just like nobody wants that. I, 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 I think, I think Alan's position here, he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his position here is that he doesn't want to eat a twice-baked potato because if they couldn't get it right the first time, he doesn't want it. <laughs> is that true? I don't know. I just... Uh, I I like plain baked potato. I just eat the center of them. That's what normal people do, I guess. I don't know. And then we got another question from our chat. Um, Alan, do you play the Buffalo Machines that I'm hooked on? Now, I don't know which casino this is at, but the Buffalo Machines. Yeah, the Buffalo is a ripoff. Don't, don't stay away from it. Don't play it. What they do is they, they entice you to play it with a huge bonus game, 
but the the vig on the on the preliminary game to get to the bonus is so high that it's just a, it's like a crack cocaine for slot players. It's uh-huh. a really bad game. Alrighty. Okay, so uh, thank you, Kessler, for coming on the show. I think we uh, got some interesting questions oh, and no answers problem. out. And, uh, and maybe we'll have you on again sometime, either on uh, a Together radio you show. You can have, or have me on any time. It would be called Ask the Chainsaw. I'll, you, know, you get questions from the audience, I'll answer the question. Be beautiful. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Good one, Chainsaw. Thanks, Chainsaw. All right. So uh, we got the potato questions out to... Alan Kessler, the chat room is happy. And I think you know what to serve Alan Kessler. Can we Kessler. found out he's never picked for a fucking buffet? <laughs> that I mean, was I, the hard-hitting question right there, Todd. He never paid for a buffet at the M Resort. That's what the hard-hitting question is that you yeah. gotta, you got to get answered. You know yeah, I mean? five, 500 meals, by the way. 500 meals. I don't like buffets. I'm just not a buffet person. So You know, it's... It's the buffet thing, you know, because you got people walking past it, sneezing, coughing on it. It's, it's not even not about really... that. It's not even well, about go that. Ahead, Todd. No, it's not about that with me. I, even if I could be guaranteed by God Himself that the buffet was completely clean and I would not get sick, I, I just don't think the food quality of the buffet, even the good buffets, is as good as a decent restaurant. Not even a great restaurant, but even a decent restaurant tends to have tastier food than a buffet where the buffet food looks good but then has no taste. I just find that all the time. And, you know, the quality of the buffet, I, I'm going to disagree. If it's a good quality buffet, then I'll hit it. If not, you know, I'm not going to waste my time with it. Now, if I get a comp to buffet, of course I'm going to take the comp. You know, you might as well. You know, it's free. You know, how Alan can do this for free 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, that's beyond me. I'm not seven-star. Shit. Well, yeah, he was explaining that. He, he said he, he can put in like a very small amount of coin in and then qualify the, for the buffet there. He's figured out that that's definitely worth doing, and he might be right. Yeah, and, you know, that's the one thing. He can grind comps like most people can, you know, sit back and grind on a five ten cash game. Like, I don't know how he does it because I've actually shadowed him at a casino. I think it was the uh, WSOPC Iowa and WSOPC um, Bosher City on those two circuit stops. I didn't shadow him just to see what he would grind. And <clears throat> sorry about that. He uh, actually would run around the entire casino looking at every single slot machine. I sort of got the science behind it of the more flash and panache it has, the more you don't want to play it. Well, that's actually so, true to some degree, but... Yeah, anyway. And, you know, he's sitting there showing me how to look at the payouts of this and that, and I was like, Alan, I'm not a slot grinder. I, I'm, you're talking to somebody that has no clue what they're doing at a casino outside of poker or video poker. Teach me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> so uh, to be honest with you, he drugged me around the entire casino floor. It took him about an hour and a half to find one slot machine. Once he found it, he sat down. He's like, this is what I do. And I was like, okay, it is what it is. All right. So once again, in the chat, uh, shower, shadowing Kessler at slots, tight life. I think I'd rather have Judon ghost, ghost me in online MTTs. That's uh, Real Talk said that. So he, he wouldn't have wanted hey, to do it. I understand. Uh, I was really bored that day. <laughs> and uh, when you get really bored because you busted out and it's towards the end of the day and you really don't want to drive home, 
because you know you got about, I don't know, a fifth of Jack Daniels sitting in the freaking fridge, and you want to go play the next event at 11 o'clock in the morning, I decided, why not, you know? Go shadow the master at grinding comps. Okay. It is what it is. Yeah. So, all right. So, what, what do you – got to get along with the show here because uh, the – what I'm afraid of here is if I don't, that it's going to get too late, then I'm going to have to end it early, which uh, I don't want to have to do. So, uh, you guys are welcome to stay on if you'd like, or I, I can just continue with my agenda uh, by myself, which one – what would you like to do? Hey, before – I don't want to derail you any more than we have to, but I do have one question from the chat. And I, actually, I don't know if this was chat or from Twitter earlier. No, is it confirmed that there was an audio issue because of the Dodgers game, or was it just a plain old audio issue? No, no, it was an audio issue. Uh, if it was about the Dodgers game, it would have been on later because the game was not over when we started. I had to hear in the chat how the game finished. I guess it was an exciting okay. finish too. So, now nah, you know, there's well, the 100- Dodgers win the World Series. Yeah, I. I th- I think they have a good shot at it. The baseball playoffs are not like the basketball playoffs where it's very surprising if one of the best few teams doesn't win. Uh, It's just you have such an edge in basketball if you're the much better team in in a series. But in baseball, it's pretty much whoever's the hottest team at the moment. Of course, being an overall better team helps, but uh, being hot at the moment can actually propel you to win the World Series. So... Any team that makes the playoffs has a shot at it, especially one that has fairly good pitching. And uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw is on the disabled list now, and his injury is more serious than first thought. And if they lose him for any length of time, especially if uh, he's out for a really long time or if it affects his pitching, that'll really hurt them. But if they go into the World Series mostly healthy, then they, they have to be one of the big favorites to win. Uh, I I think they're the best team in the National League, but we will see. So, is uh, Matt Kemp going to put in a full season? Probably not. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers have a number of players who seem to get hurt a lot. Matt Kemp's one of them. Carl Crawford's another. And uh, uh, Crawford was a great waste of money. I think uh, there is a lot of wasting money. You know, they have the money to waste, but. Uh, Unfortunately, the fact that they've wasted so much money because they had this huge TV deal actually came back to bite the fans in the ass because I don't know if you know this. Most people in Southern California cannot see the Dodgers on TV right now because Time Warner Cable, they own the channel, and so far they have not made deals with any of the other providers such as DirecTV, Verizon Fios, Cox Cable, etc. They haven't made any deals with them to carry the games. And Time Warner is demanding an exorbitant sum of money to recoup what they spent for the TV rights. So now Dodger fans, unless they have Time Warner cable, cannot watch the game unless you find like a pirated stream online. So that's just, that's just crazy to me. You know, it's a big I, mess. I just, it amazes me how you got to be, you can be in Southern California and you can't get the Dodgers. I mean, it's just, that's just nuts. Yeah, it's obscene. I mean, and it's not even going to be solved anytime soon from what I can see. So uh, let's just say I'm having a difficult time watching the Dodgers, but I've been able to. But it hasn't been easy. So anyway, uh, thanks for calling, guys. It was, an, it was an unexpected surprise, but I think appropriate for April 1st. And uh, I guess this will conclude the combined Poker Fraud Alert Low Limit Poker Radio Show. And what is the normal day to your show? 
What's the normal uh, day? Thursdays. It's on Thursdays. Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. And that's on uh, what? Lowlimitpokerradio.com? Uh, yep. That's okay. correct. All right. That's 9 p.m. Eastern, right? Correct. Yeah. See, I don't talk about Eastern here because I'm on the West Coast. So that'd be 6 p.m. Yeah, or no. 6 p.m. Yeah. 6 p.m. Now, do you guys start on time or do you start, do you start on time or do you start late like I do? Uh, we usually start on time. Sometimes uh-huh. it's delayed. I was going to say, remarkably, we, we usually start on time. I don't know how we manage to do it, but we do manage it. I, I, I got to learn how to do that. All right, guys. Uh, thanks a lot for calling. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks for coming on, Todd. Take care. Thank you. So that was the uh, Low Limit Poker Guys plus Asian Spa and uh, and plus Alan Kessler for some time. Totally not on the agenda. We spent a lot of time on it, but what the hell? I don't usually have guests on this show. So, you know, I didn't want to snap it off. I... Wanted to get some good questions out there, and uh, I thought it was interesting to have Asian Spy and his real voice on here. i got to have him on the show sometime, you know, just by himself. And, uh, all right, so back to the lock topic. And don't, we're not going to be on the lock topic forever in case it bores you. Just going to finish this off. Uh, this is what the guy wrote about Jen Larson. That is a really hard question to answer. This is regarding, like, you know, what do you think of her? He says, this is a really hard question to answer. Jen is a really nice person. <laughs> he actually said that. He actually said she's a really nice person. I'm not kidding. And even a better motivator. That part I believe. I don't think she took a day off from work since she started Locke. Her dedication to the site was contagious and made everyone else, the pros, work really hard. Between accumulating affiliates and raking money for the site, she was continuously pressuring us to do more in a good way. This this sounds like a love letter to Jen Larson. I mean, this person is just really, really enthralled by Jen Larson, even after everything that's happened and after all the money she stole. Uh, Then he went on to say, she did, however, make lofty promises that she didn't follow through with. Yeah, like paying people. And sticking to a deadline rarely happened. Yeah, like paying people. Also, at the end of the day, she's the one responsible for getting the players their money, so there's no way I can say she's a good person until she makes the players whole again. Look, that first paragraph about her is showing that this pro has no credibility. To say she's a really nice person, to say glowing things like her dedication to the site was contagious, this isn't someone who's realized that his old boss was shady and was stealing from people. When you realize that, you don't describe them in this way. The way you would describe them then is something like, you know, Jen is a snake oil sales, saleswoman. She, uh, she tricks you into thinking that uh, she's really dedicated to the site and wants you to be dedicated to. Uh, but the whole thing was a big lie. The whole thing was a big scam. I, I feel foolish for being duped by this, blah, blah. That, that's what they'd say if they had a negative opinion of her. At this point, this person still thinks very highly of her. Jen is a really nice person. Unbelievable. Would a really nice person steal all this money from the poker community? Obviously not. Now, it has been brought up on the Poker Fraud Alert forum that, you know, maybe Jen Larson didn't steal the money. Maybe all that happened was it was mismanaged. Maybe that uh, because their rakeback structure for certain regular players was so crazy, even getting people over 100% rakeback in some cases, that was not sustainable nor was all the marketing money they were spending. Maybe they just spent too much on marketing and on rakeback 
and then they ran out of money because the business plan was just very poor. But that doesn't make her a thief, does it? Of course it does. Because where did that money come from? It was player money. The second that you dip into player funds and spend them, you are stealing. It doesn't matter what the reason. You're stealing. That is not your money to touch. It's the player's money. Unless they give you permission to spend their money, you cannot touch it. It doesn't matter if you're holding it for them. You cannot touch it. Just like if you walk up to me and say, hey, Todd, here's $10,000. I'm not giving it to you. I'm giving you to to hold. Can you please hold this $10,000 for me and give it back to me when I ask for it later? And I say, sure. And I take the $10,000. Do you know how pissed you'd be if you came back and I said, sorry, I spent the money? You'd call me a thief. And rightfully so. Because just because I'm holding the money, it does not give me a right to dip into the money, no matter how much I think I need it or can use it, or what a smart business idea I have that I can use it for. It is not my money to touch, even though it's in my possession. And that's what she did, and that's why she stole, and that's why Howard Letterer stole, and that's why everybody who is holding player money, and it disappeared, they stole. Moving on. A short comment this person made about Eric Lynch, a.k.a. Risen. I have no idea what he even did. He didn't even manage pros. Yeah, this was really strange. Uh, Risen had a good reputation, and that's probably why they hired him at Locke, as the poker room manager. And uh, for a while, he was covering for them, and he was running people around in circles regarding the casino bonus scandal, blah, blah, blah. He had a different communication style than that Shane guy did. Shane kind of replaced Risen as far as communicating with the public. Uh, Shane was very abrasive and nasty, very easy to hate. Risen was always very polite and sweet, but at the same time, he gave you no real answers and uh, was just reciting the locked talking points. So, you know, he took dirty money too, and then he kind of just fell out of the public eye. He was still the poker room manager technically, but he fell out of the public eye. But he definitely is responsible for what happened too. He stamped his name as the poker room manager and he didn't quit when everything was happening so this guy is a scumbag too now who is this guy who is this guy who's giving all these comments to steve-o who is this mysterious lock pro i suspect that it's brian pellegrino aka primordial aa because this person said a lot of things that somewhat duplicated what he had said on two plus two If you look at a lot of the comments, especially the stuff about Jen Larson, you will find a lot of this on the 2 plus 2 message boards posted by Primordial AA. Not the exact wording, but a lot of the same talking points. Jen is a nice person. I trust Jen. You know, she works very hard. Um, A lot of the stuff being said about Locke isn't true. A lot of this is 2 plus 2's fault for, you know, destroying Locke's reputation. Uh, a lot of people are exaggerating. Uh, the uh, the pros didn't realize they were getting expedited cash out. There was an accident. They didn't realize the cash outs were coming faster than them for everybody else. Like This is all stuff that Primordial AA said on 2 Plus 2. So while it's possible it's someone else, if it is it's someone with the same talking points as him, then maybe we're dictated to them by Jen Larson. Who knows? But uh, it sounds a lot like Primordial AA, Brian Pellegrino to me, and to many others. So, one other thing I wanted to point out, uh, 
on a previous show, I had talked about Rachel in uh, the UK, a lawyer in London who was involved for some time with Hasib Qureshi, a.k.a. Dog is Head. Uh, she posts on Poker Fraud Alert sometimes as Use Her Name. And she said that the stuff regarding Jira in that Stevo article with the anonymous Lock Pro is completely wrong. She didn't elaborate. She said she would, but she didn't. But uh, take that for what it's worth. All right, moving along here to our next topic. Well, there's a bipartisan bill in the Senate that has to do with the legalization of online poker. But before you get excited that the Senate is going to legalize online poker, you have to realize that this bill is actually against online poker. Now, a big moment for online poker was when the Department of Justice reinterpreted the 1961 Wire Act. Now, of course, 1961, there was no Internet at all. There wasn't even a preliminary Internet. There was nothing. There was, there was nothing even resembling the Internet in 1961. However, of course, there was the telephone. So the 1961 Wire Act involved making it illegal to play sports bets through any kind of communications device, which later came to include the Internet. Because even though the Internet didn't exist in 1961, uh, it's a communications device, so basically that's covered by the Wire Act. But in, I think, late 2011, sometime around then, the Department of Justice made a very interesting ruling, which is definitely helping the online poker legalization effort, in that the Wire Act was said not to apply to online poker. They said they're not going to, they're not going to apply the Wire Act to online poker. Now, the UIGEA passed in 2006. That still applies to online poker. They didn't reverse that, but the 1961 Wire Act, they were no longer going to apply to online poker, and that was really opening the door to getting online poker legalization happening in the U.S. Well, now there's a bipartisan bill that is attempting to stop all of this and attempting to put back in the ban on online poker through that 1961 Wire Act. Pretty much erase what was uh, the reinterpretation of the Wire Act that occurred in uh, late 2011. So in late 2011, they said the Wire Act was only about sports betting. That's it. That that's all the bill says, that's all they're going to follow. They're not going to extend it to mean sports betting and other gambling. It's just sports betting that they're going to forbid this way. And that's the way they're going to interpret it. However, there are two bills, two bills in their preliminary forms that were backed by donations that came from Sheldon Adelson's Las Vegas Sands Corporation. The bills were written by lobbyists. These are lobbyists, of course, who work for uh, Adelson. And uh, both bills are to reinterpret the, the reinterpretation to once again include online poker in what should not be allowed through any form of communication in the U.S. Uh, this bill 
is sponsored by uh, Senators Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina, and Jason Chaffetz, a Republican from Utah. These are both U.S. senators. However, before you get mad at Republicans and say, oh, those damn Republicans ruining poker again, listen to the co-sponsors of the bill. Now, yes, we have Kelly Ayotte, Republican from New Hampshire. Yes, we have Mike Lee, who's, by the way, perhaps in some other trouble for he's accused of uh, accepting bribes involving online poker a while back by telemarketer Jeremy Johnson. But also another co-author is Diane Feinstein, the Democrat from California. Diane Feinstein is backing this as a co-sponsor. Then we also have some House members that are backing the bill. Emmanuel Cleaver, a Democrat from Missouri. Trent Franks, Republican Arizona. Tulsi Gabbard, Democrat from Hawaii. George Holding, Republican North Carolina. Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio. James Lankford, Republican Oklahoma, Jim Matheson, Democrat Utah, Lamar Smith, Republican Texas, and Frank Wolf, Republican Virginia. So, yeah, we have more Republicans, but you see there's some Democrats in there. I've been saying this for years. I've been saying this for years. The legalization of online poker is not a partisan issue. People thought, oh, we'll back the Democrats, we'll back Obama for president. And online poker will become legal because Democrats are for legalizing online poker and Republicans are against it. That's not true. Now, you will have more Democrats for it and more more Republicans against it. But there are plenty on both sides of the aisle, on both sides of the issue. So this should not be pigeonholed into Republican versus Democrats or you're going to be spinning your wheels here. So this is a bipartisan bill to reinsert poker as being illegal for uh, you know online gambling, and of course this would uh, affect the existing on- legalized online poker sites. Now, before you panic too much, there's a tracking site called govtrack.us, govtrack.us, that tracks how likely bills become law. Because if they don't become law, then they're meaningless. So it gives the measure I just talked about a 6% chance of becoming law, which I, I think is even too high. And then there's a second measure that's similar that... Uh, has a 1% chance. So, I don't think this is going to happen because Harry Reid is the Senate Majority Leader and as corrupt as he is, uh, it's actually going to help us here because there's no way that Harry Reid is going to allow the legalized online poker in Nevada at this point to be taken away. This is something that he got behind at this point and he's not going to let this get reversed. So he's he's not going to let this happen in his Senate, pretty much. So th- this isn't going to go anywhere. But the attempt is being made. 
and it is a step back somewhat. And it shows that there's a lot of push coming from Sheldon Adelson of the Las Vegas Sands Corporation, the owners of Venetian, to make it so online poker never becomes legal in the U.S. and the existing sites go away. But I'm going to say this. A lot of people like to cast Sheldon Adelson as a supervillain who is doing this just to fatten his own wallet because he's afraid that these online sites are going to take away revenue from his brick-and-mortar casinos. But that's not really what this is about. Sheldon Adelson just hates online gambling. He just hates it. He hates it from a moral standpoint. He hates it from a business standpoint. He thinks it's going to decimate the industry, not just his own casino, but the entire industry. He thinks it's going to hurt it. And he, you know, Sheldon Adelson cares about certain things, and he cares about them very much. His number one concern is Israel. Now, this has nothing to do with Israel, but his number one concern is Israel. He actually used to be a Democrat and switched parties because he found uh, Republicans being more sympathetic towards, uh, towards Israel. So his number one concern is Israel. And he spends a lot of money in backing pro-Israeli candidates. And he doesn't make money from doing this. He just does it because it's a big thing to him. And this is a distant second, but it's also an important thing to him, the online gaming issue. For whatever reason, he just hates it. I think maybe because he feels a connection to the brick-and-mortar industry, and he thinks this is going to destroy the industry. Not not just his own place, but it's going to destroy the brick-and-mortar industry. It's going to destroy brick-and-mortar casinos. He doesn't like that. He doesn't like it from a moral standpoint. He just hates it. He has a ton of money, I think $40 billion to his name, and he is spending his money to fight that. And by the way, in case you are a Democrat and you hate Sheldon Adelson because he spends all his money to influence the political process, guess what? You guys have one of your own. You have George Soros, and he does pretty much the same thing with pretty much the same amount of money. So uh, the truth is he's not a supervillain. He's just someone with a misguided view of online gaming and online poker, a very stubborn view. He is an enemy of our industry, and I hope he loses, but I don't think he's a villain. He's not doing this because he's greedy or evil. He's doing it because he disagrees, and he's using his money to basically get what he wants. He's he's spending his money to make what he sees as right occur. And that's what I really believe is happening. But I'm not backing him. I'm not supporting him. And I really want him to lose here. And I don't appreciate what he's doing. I think what he's doing really sucks. So don't get me wrong. I'm not a Sheldon Adelson defender. I'm just I'm just not one who portrays him as a supervillain. I don't think that's a fair characterization of him. He's just someone with a lot of money who's wrong about something and is spending a lot of money to back this wrong viewpoint. He's definitely wrong. Lord of the Fraud sing in chat. Truth is your political system is a joke. Well, it is a joke in some ways, but all political systems are. Uh, I hate to tell you, but uh, your political system in the UK is a joke too. They're all a joke to some degree. So, anyway, that's that's what's going on with that. And uh, I want to give a little flashback having to do with Sheldon Adelson and the Venetian. This is uh, an interesting story. 
and it's actually going to connect to something, not just the story I told you previously, but the next story I'm going to talk about. Uh, where is this here? Yeah. This is from August 2013, and don't, don't tune me out just yet just because the story is uh, eight months old, because this has relevance to today. Casino operator Las Vegas Sands has agreed to give up over $47 million as part of an agreement to avoid charges over its failure to report suspicious transactions by an alleged drug kingpin. Interesting stuff. It is old, happened in August, but still interesting. The sum represents funds accepted by Sands on behalf of Zenli Yegon, a native of China who's currently being held in the U.S. pending extradition to Mexico on drug trafficking charges, accused of importing chemicals from his native country to Mexico for meth production. Yegon was a high-stakes gambler who lost more than... One million dollars. Yeah, much more. $125 million between 2004 and 2007, including over $84 million at the Venetian in Las Vegas. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles said Yagan and his associates wired money from a number of different banks and currency exchange houses in Mexico to SANS accounts in the U.S., Federal law requires banks and other institutions that handle money transfers to flag suspicious transactions. Prosecutors say the volume of Yagan's transfers and the vague sources of the funds should have raised red flags. At one point, the Justice Department says when Sands personnel asked Yagan to transfer his money in large sums rather than small increments, he responded that he, quote, preferred to wire the money incrementally because he did not want the government to know about these transfers. Wow. So that's pretty much showing that Sands was willing to let him evade the government knowing. This is a quote from Attorney General, or U.S. Attorney Andre Birat Jr. All companies, especially casinos, are now on notice that America's anti-money laundering laws apply to all people in every corporation, even if that company risks losing its most pros- profitable customer. A SANS spokesman said in a statement, quote, The company cooperated fully, and that effort was recognized by the government. <laughs> Yeah, they had no choice at that point. The government said the decision to enter into a non-prosecution agreement was motivated in part by Sands' extensive cooperation and, quote, voluntarily and comp- voluntary and complete disclosure of good conduct. The company has since improved its internal compliance program, the DOJ said. So, that happened in August. Still an interesting story. I don't think I've ever told the full story on this show about this. But how does this affect today? Well, recall the fact that basically this guy was sending a shitload of money. I mean, $125 million between 2004 and 2007 in Vegas and $84 million at the Venetian alone. And, and yet the Venetian not only never questioned where the money was coming from, but uh, they actually cooperated with him wiring the money in an incremental fashion, meaning you know, smaller amounts, so the government wouldn't catch it. So since they cooperated in this, they paid this fine of $47 million. Well, here is a new development that partially spawns from that. There's a new development from this week, this news story. U.S. casinos may soon have to vet where their high rollers funds come from under a requirement being developed by the U.S. Treasury Department, according to two people familiar with the matter. 
The move is part of a push to address long-standing regulatory and law enforcement concerns that criminals can use casinos, which have not historically been as closely monitored as banks for compliance with anti-money laundering laws, to convert proceeds of crime into money that appears clean. So, so basically it's saying here that uh, uh, the casinos have been... They've been given a free pass over the last however many years to where criminals wire money into casinos, gamble, cash out, and then suddenly the money is clean because it's considered uh, gambling winnings. And it's no longer drug money or whatever other illicit money it was in the first place. And the casinos, unlike banks, have been very lightly monitored by the government. The government wants to change that. Under current law, casinos are required to report suspicious activity. A customer who used a large sum of cash to buy chips, gambled briefly, and then asked to cash out with a casino check, for example, would likely get reported to authorities. So let's say I walked into the Venetian and uh, you know, bought in for a, wired a million dollars over there and then cashed out or played a tiny bit, you know, played a little bit of blackjack. Uh, lost $2,000 and then said, okay, please give me a check from the Venetian for 998000 know, which is basically the million I wired here minus the 2000 I lost. And they do it. Well, then I could put the 998000 in my bank account from the Venetian and it looks like it's gambling winnings. And all of a sudden the money looks clean. Well, this would have already been reported. And the reason it would have been reported is because even though I wired a million dollars in, I didn't gamble a million dollars. It was just all for show. It was all for laundering purposes. In reality, I wasn't that big of a player, and Venetian has no desire to protect me, so they would have reported that. So this article saying that situations like that, very super obvious situations where very little gambling takes place, yeah, these people get reported. But in cases where there's um, actually a lot of heavy play, they don't report it. So... Um, going on in the article, but existing rules do not explicitly require casinos to vet the source of gamblers' funds. The new rule, which is being considered by Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network unit, would make such obligations explicit. It's in the early stages and may take a year or more to complete, the people familiar with the proposal said. So it probably won't happen in 2014, but sometime in 2015, this will probably become law, where the casinos will have a very strict regimen to follow regarding money coming into the casino by wire because right now they're required to report super suspicious activity and that's why the venetian got in trouble last year because they were complicit with letting uh, a drug dealer sneak funds in there and they're required to report cash transactions either way either in or out of ten thousand or more but they're not required to report wires if someone wires in a million dollars and gambles a million dollars they don't have to report shit so, you know, the only way they have to report is if cash leaves the Venetian. But if the person wires a million in, gambles a whole bunch, either loses it all, or let's say they, let's say they even win two hundred thousand, and then wire back out one point two million, they don't have to report this as being suspicious. They don't have to report anything other than you know to the IRS. So. This will happen probably sometime next year, but it's going to happen. It says, The rule is likely to require casinos to get more information about certain customers in order to shed light on high-risk transactions such as international wires and large cash deposits. 
spokesman Steve Stephen Hudak from the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network declined to comment on any potential rulemaking, but said the Treasury Bureau continually continually examines its rules and periodically considers updates to ensure their continued effectiveness. So, basically, um, they're going to have to start finding out where the big whale's money is really coming from. Now, casinos have already objected to this. They see this as probing their customers. They're afraid it's going to drive their customers away. And um, the, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network director, her name is uh, Jennifer Calvary, delivered a strongly worded message at a gaming industry concert uh, conference. She said, when some casinos say that probing their customers about their activities outside the casino will drive customers away, I sense they feel it is not their responsibility to protect their institutions and our financial system as a whole from being used by illicit actors. You ask your customers many questions about their preferences. You can and should get information about their sources of funds to meet your obligations to identify and report suspicious activity. So basically, the U.S. government is tired of drug dealers and other criminals both laundering money through these casinos and just shipping money into these casinos that they shouldn't have in the first place. So they're telling the casinos, if you're going to take large sums of money from people, if you're going to have them wire this type of money in to play, you better find out how they have that money and where it's coming from or otherwise you're not going to be able to do it. So this is coming. I don't think it's going to affect us in poker that much except maybe the nosebleed players might have a hard time. Maybe these whales aren't going to want to play anymore if they have to disclose to the casinos where they're getting their money, especially if they got their money illegally. I've always wondered that. When I've played higher limit games, you know, like 100, 200, 400, 800, whatever. Some of these people in the games, they don't exactly look like your typical business people. I'm not talking about the pros in the games. I'm talking about like the recreational players. You see some thug types in the game, kind of like the guy I described who got shot to death. You see some thug types in the game that are playing with large sums of money recreationally, and you're thinking... I bet this was drug money. I bet they got this money through some sort of illicit means. You don't ask them, obviously, but you think that as you're playing against them. So if you're a nosebleed player in these live casinos, this might actually hurt you because these whales that you want to sit down at your table and take all their money, they may not want to play anymore if they have to disclose where their money comes from. 775 fraud 55 775 also 702-430-1808. So those are the phone numbers to call in. You show your caller ID. I am still looking at the chat room every so often. And you can text me. Let's see if we've gotten any texts here to 775-372-8355. Yes, we have. We have... I think from DJ Chaps, he has an announcement. I, I hope this is true. I'm going to end up sounding like a fool, but here we go.
straight off the heels of a very successful and well-received Chaps Shoots video that he did recently. Chaps Shoots Radio is debuting live on what other date but 420. So on April 20th, 420, Chaps Shoots Radio is going to be debuting live. I'm not sure on which site. He's welcome to do it from this site if he wants, by the way. That was a text message from Chaps. From the Boston area. Wait, wait, wait. These lock shills were paid in lock money all this time and not in cash? Oh my God, morons. And then they also wanted to say, the current affair sound effect is money. Well, thank you. All right, so those are our texts tonight here at 775-372-8355, in addition to all the ones I already read. All right, so Comcast Cable, a big cable provider in the U.S. with a bad reputation. A lot of people hate them. Guess not as bad as Time Warner, though. Time Warner is keeping me from watching the Dodgers. Uh, Comcast was rumored to have blocked Bovada from its customers recently, and people were very unhappy about this. But there's more to the story. Uh, from onlinepokerreport.com, there was an article from Chris Grove on March 28th saying that uh, multiple individuals in the United States are reporting problems with accessing Bovada, not simply the website, but the platform itself. A common thread among those experiencing the issue seems to be that they utilize Comcast for their internet service. Several players confirm the issue is Comcast-specific in this growing thread on 2 Plus 2. Bovada has acknowledged the issue, but has offered little in the way of details of this article. Bovada said, We are aware that some of our players using particular ISPs, such as Comcast, are unable to access our site. We do not know the full extent of the issue and are doing our best to identify a resolution. We'll keep you updated as we know more. Well, more has been learned, and it's surprising. Everybody was pretty sure that... uh, Bovada was blocked from Comcast. Someone even made a YouTube video on how to get around it. But guess what? Comcast has denied it. This is from PokerFuse. The issue reported yesterday of Comcast users being unable to access the Bovada site is not the result of Comcast blocking a poker room. That's good news because that's the last thing we want is uh, cable providers, internet providers blocking access to certain poker sites. An email from Comcast's National Engineering and Technical Operators denies the responsibility. These claims are incorrect. Comcast is not blocking that or any other site and would not do so. When we observe similar issues, it has been a problem with the site's owner's authoritative DNS servers or records, it adds. Bovada themselves then tweeted that it should be resolved within 24 hours. They tweeted this yesterday at uh, 1 p.m. We've received confirmation that this weekend's technical issues related to certain ISPs should be resolved. For anyone still experiencing this issue, it should be resolving itself within the next 24 hours. We thank you for your patience. The Comcast email links to a site where users can validate DNS data to determine if a site is blocked. Bovada.lv shows up as accessible on Comcast servers. So it was much ado about nothing. It was actually a technical problem. Turns out Comcast is not blocking their users from Bovada. And thank goodness for that. But I wouldn't put it past them or another company like them to start doing that at some point. But right now, crisis averted because the crisis never really existed. 
Just a technical glitch that looked bad. Well, there's a poker network called NetStronger. By the way, someone in the chat says they have Comcast and they haven't had any issues at all getting into Bovada. But there's a... Anyway, getting back to the other topic, there's a network called NetStronger. And they've been lying about who is regulating them. So that's definitely not good news. Definitely not good news at all. Uh, Here's what's happening. Uh, NetStronger. Now, I've never heard of them before. They're a poker network. They're not a poker site. They're actually a network of several sites. This is a list of NetStronger network poker sites. Tell me if you've heard of these. Big Ben. I mean, I've heard of Big Ben, but not Big Ben Poker. B-SideBet. Golden 7. Limon Poker. Hyperplay, Platinum Poker, Poker Big, Poker Big Bull, Victory Room. Some of these sound like some of these sound like uh, poker rooms I've known, but they're not the exact same name, so it's different. Like Victory Room instead of Victory Poker. Um, yeah, get Golden Seven instead of uh, Gold. What was it? Golden. They had some uh, Golden something. I'm forgetting the name of that room. Um. Wanted Play, Winner Better, that's a great name, Winnie Bet, this is my favorite, World Champion Poker, and the logo is almost identical to the World Series of Poker, World Champion Poker. So, <laughs> so we have World Champion Poker, Victory Room, Golden 7, Gamma Soft, Winnie Bet, Winnie Bet is also a funny one, W-I-N-N-Y Bet. So I've never heard of any of these, but apparently they're all on the Net Stronger Poker Network. The problem is the Net Stronger Poker Network was lying and saying that they were regulated by the Maltese Lotteries and Gaming Authority, also known as the LGA. Now, if you go to netstronger.com and scroll down to the bottom and look at the very bottom right, you'll see the logo of Lotteries and Gaming Authority Malta. It's right there. So they still have the logo up. Well, this is what the LGA had to say about that. The LGA warns that, quote, any references to the authority and gaming license issued by the authority in Malta on the mentioned website are false and misleading. <laughs> so so they're actually claiming that they're regulated by this LGA, which doesn't sound like they're all that reputable in the first place. Like, I wouldn't trust Malta to regulate my games anyway, but... That's not even true. They're not even really regulated by Malta. They just stole that logo and slapped it on their site, which is still up there right now. Uh, Needless to say, I would not trust this tiny site here with the fake LGA logo at the bottom. Haley Hintz, poker investigative journalist who runs FlushDraw.net, writes a lot of good articles on there. Uh, She had never heard of any of those skins. And she said she's reasonably up on who's who in poker, and she's never heard of any of those that I've listed. She said, I did a little digging. It looks like the parent poker entity, Wanted Play Limited. Remember, there is a uh, a Wanted Play skin on there as well, by the way. Is run out of Milan, Italy by this guy who claims to be the CEO. And the CEO that she found is Maurizio Foresti. You can find him on LinkedIn. 
Maurizio Foresti, that's M-A-U-R-I-Z-I-O, last name Foresti, F-O-R-E-S-T-I. So, out of Milan, Italy. She writes, it's, a, it's connected to a software operation called Biproga. Foresti shows a th- as a third-level connection via LinkedIn, but I have no idea who he is. So, sounds really shady. Sounds like some shady Italian guy is running a bunch of uh, skins that are pretending to be independent and has a fake regulation for Malta. Half the things a pretty high chance your money will get stolen by Maurizio there if you ever deposit to any of those net stronger sites. So if you consider that, stay away and just really stay away from all these tiny sites because there's such a high rate of fraud on these tiny sites. You're much, much better off on the bigger sites. The tiny sites are a disaster. Sometimes they're outright scams. Sometimes they are just run by people who have no idea what they're doing, and then when the whole thing folds, they just run off. But just just don't ever play on these tiny sites. Even if the website looks professional, even if they're guaranteeing your funds are safe, even if they claim your funds are segregated and they're regulated, don't believe it because uh, usually it ends pretty badly. Uh, Bad guy 23 asking in chat, and by the way, uh, Sinner saying in chat, LGA is a fucking scam. They licensed Everleaf, which of course have had all kinds of problems. That's true. LGA is terrible, and they're they're a terrible regulator, and uh, you shouldn't trust them anyway. So you know it's bad if someone's pretending to be regulated by a shady regulator. <laughs> they're not even really regulated by a shady regulator. They're actually fake regulated by a shady regulator. That's pretty bad. It's kind of like saying that uh, you've hired Bernie Madoff to watch over your money, uh, and then in reality, uh, Bernie Madoff actually doesn't know you. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty bad. So, uh, Bad Guy 23 asking in chat, Druff, what do you know about Equity Poker Network? Heritage and Five Dimes are using them now. Seems shady. Heard about the old bet online poker manager who just sees money for no reason is behind it. Yeah, I, I don't trust the Equity Poker Network. We've talked about them before on <coughs> sorry about that on this show, and I don't trust them. So, uh, where's let me get the list of the skins for the Equity Poker Network? I had that here. It's here somewhere on Poker Fraud Alert. Just gotta find it. Um, here we are. Yeah, this was launched on uh, November 12th, 2013. At the time, it was uh, Poker Hero. Not Hero Poker, but Poker Hero. Gear Poker, Heritage Sports, which uh, Bad Guy mentioned. Full Flesh Poker and Integer Poker. Uh, I actually have one of these skins, and whenever I look to see how many people are on there, it's like a total fail site. There's like nobody on there. So... I would not trust that tiny network. It is a U.S.-facing network, but it, it, this is a perfect example of a s- tiny network that you can't trust. But I want to give a congratulations here to somebody. XR71 Whitefish, who has done a lot of good work in investigating UB. He won the Poker Fraud Alert free roll tonight, and he is the recipient of $40. So very good, XR71 Whitefish, who just announced in the chat that he won the free roll. Congrats to him. I guess he 
had a hard time winning these. He said he finally won. Been running bad on PFA, but he finally made it happen. It's very good. Uh, so, moving on to our second to last topic, I think. No, not second to last. I got a few other things. Before I get to my editorial, um, Pooh asked me in the thread about this radio show on PokerFrottler.com. He asked the following. Who would you most like to meet and least like to meet from the Poker Fraudler forums and why? And that I can only select active posters on Poker Fraudlers at the moment. So, for example, I can't pick that guy I was talking about earlier who I banned because he's not active on the forum. He, he is the one I'd least like to meet, but uh, he doesn't qualify. Now, I don't know who I'd least like to meet, and the reason for that is... I can't really think of anyone who's active on the site now that I don't like. And some of that is because it's kind of like a double self-selection. If they hate me, they're probably not going to post here. And if I hate them, I probably won't let them on the site. I'm not saying I love everyone on the site, but anyone I really, really dislike uh, usually does not end up being here in some way. Though I have banned very few people, to be honest. But anyway, uh, I don't know who I'd least like to meet. Uh, as far as most like to meet, the one I'd most like to meet is the person who, to me, is very interesting and yet kind of mysterious to where you kind of really wonder what their story is, what their deal is, and what they're like in person. And there's a few people like that here, but the one who sticks out to me the most, and I know that Pooh mentioned him also, is BCR, formerly known as Buster Costa Rica. I think if I had to pick one person from the site to meet that I haven't met before, I think I'd pick him. Uh, he's a really interesting guy. He's very intelligent, makes great posts on the site. In fact, uh, he was voted best poster on our most recent poll. And um, I'd really like to see what that guy's like in person. No one's ever seen a picture of him. Uh, no one's met him. He's kind of a mystery. But uh, I would like to. And if, you know, if you're ever in Las Vegas or L.A., yeah, definitely let me know. Uh, but some others I'd like to meet from the site. I'd actually like to meet Pooh himself, who uh, brought the question up. Uh, I'd like to meet Crow Diddley. Uh, I'd like to meet uh, like to meet PLOL. Just naming some people off the top of my head that uh, I'd like to meet that I've uh, thought of from the site that I haven't met yet. Uh, Bad Guy Twenty Three for sure. I'd like to meet him. That's he's pretty high up there actually. I'd like to meet Team MLK. And uh, let me think who else. Oh, DJ Chaps. I'd like to meet him too. Though DJ Chaps, I haven't met him, but I've seen enough videos of him. I almost feel like I have met him. So that's a little bit different because I don't have to wonder what he's like. I've seen enough of him. I'd still like to meet him, but, you know, like I've seen enough of him on video to where I I kind of feel like I know him. Where some of these other guys, I have no clue what they look like or what they're like at all. Uh, Willie McFML, another one I'd like to meet. Uh, and again, if I'm not mentioning you and I've met you before, you're not even on my mind here because we've already met. And if I haven't mentioned you, it's possible I'm just not thinking right now of, of you. So, truthfully, I like meeting everyone who listens to this show. Every year without fail, I have people approaching me at the World Series introducing themselves and saying they listen to the show, and that's great. And I, I always like meeting new listeners 
the only people I wouldn't want to meet are people who are going to confront me in some way and, and you know, start arguments or start fights or whatever. That, that I would not want to meet. But if you want to come up to me and just say hello because you listen to this show, don't feel uncomfortable to do so. I'm happy to meet you. It makes me feel good to meet new faces and new people that listen to this show and, and say, you know, as you walk away, I think, hey, there's just some, some guy that to me is a stranger in the crowd that turns out listens to me every week here. And I think it's cool. So um, someone asking in chat, bad guy, are you going to Vegas this year for the World Series? He always says he's coming and he never does. I, I just stop believing it. I, I just totally stop believing it because he just never comes. I hope he does sometime, but he just never comes. Anyway, let me get to my editorial before we get to the final Ask Dan Druff segment. Topics actually went by pretty fast tonight. I thought this was going to end up being a really long show after we had that uh, call from Low Limit Poker Radio and Alan Kessler, but uh, I've kind of just breezed through the topics here. So my editorial is very simple, and that is um, it's about live poker rooms and their need to share information on cheaters and troublemakers. Now, let me start this off by explaining that this is already happening in casinos in non-poker areas. So, for example, there's a small town in Nevada known as Wendover. It's very close to Utah. A lot of people go to Wendover if they live in Salt Lake City and they want to gamble. In Wendover, if you get caught counting cards in blackjack in one casino, if you try to go to any other casinos in town, they immediately know who you are and kick you out. You're kicked out of one, you're kicked out of them all. Different owners. But they all communicate with one another. They all get the word across very quickly, this guy's a a card counter, get rid of him. But it's not just Wendover. For decades, there have been companies that have compiled information. The most famous one is Griffin. That compile information on advantage players in casinos. And other people they don't want playing there. It could be people who are belligerent and drunk, uh, people who have committed crimes there, whatever. Um, they collect information on patrons of the casinos and share it with other casinos, even competing casinos, so they can all together blackball the undesirable people. Either the advantage players who can beat them or the people who make a bad environment for everyone else such as those committing crimes, those who are belligerent and drunk and nasty and aggressive. So they share this information, and they will keep these people out. For example, I would not be surprised if Foxwoods has communicated about Jay Noonan, a.k.a. Who Jedi, to other casinos after the tip-stealing that he did. It wouldn't surprise me that other casinos would not let Jay Noonan through the door after what he did in Foxwoods. I'm not sure about this. I know he can't come back to Foxwoods. But this is the typical type of thing that they would do. Foxwoods is a little bit different because they're an independent uh, casino on Indian land. But in Vegas, for sure, they cooperate. Same with Atlantic City with uh, sharing information on people they don't want there. The problem is the same does not happen in poker, and it should. The poker community is not all that big. Now, it's big in the sense that there's a lot of recreational players 
and a lot of semi-recreational players, that is, players who are fairly good but still don't play professionally. So, like, if you add up the total number of poker players in the U.S., you have a very large number of people. But as far as staff in poker, as far as people who are very much into the community, known players, it's not that big. It really isn't that big. It would not be very much trouble, especially in the year 2014, when there's so many different ways to communicate and uh, store data, to keep a database of players who are caught cheating or players who create an abusive environment that are kicked out of poker tournaments or poker rooms for their behavior. And then this information could be distributed and should be distributed to all other poker rooms and then have these people blackballed. There was that guy, uh, Ali Tech, I don't remember his full last name, his long last name started with Tech something, who had cheated before and then cheated again at the Partouche Poker Tour and then was still playing in other tournaments after that. And people were outraged that he was still allowed to play tournaments after his uh, high-profile cheating scandal at the Partouche Poker Tour. But this was allowed to happen because there's not communication between the poker rooms. There really should be a central database of players who have been caught doing bad things. And I don't mean players who have occasionally used profanity or players who have occasionally acted up at the table and been thrown out for a day or, you know, or players that uh, get into some kind of altercation with the floor man or the dealer. I'm talking about routine abusers at the table, cheaters, people that you just absolutely don't ever want setting foot in the poker room under any circumstances. I'm not even talking about high-profile ones like Russ Hamilton or Howard Lederer. I'm talking about just regular guys that maybe you wouldn't even know that you can be assured that if one poker room has caught him doing something that he shouldn't be, that he's out of all poker rooms. Or at the very least, they should all have this information to their disposal and then make their best decision from that point forward. Even if it's like someone was suspected of cheating, that they watch him closely. I think this is very much needed in the live poker scene, and I think this would really discourage a lot of the cheating and a lot of the bad behavior if people didn't just have the feeling that they could just move on to the next place. At least in the World Series of Poker, it's a high-profile enough event to where a lot of people fear getting kicked out of the World Series. But many other poker tours, people don't really care if they can't ever come back. Many cash games, they don't care at all if they can't come back, especially if they're not from the area. There really does need to be some sort of central database where each poker manager can consult and then decide on their own whether to allow that person to play or not and use their best judgment. And I think it would really clean up the poker community a lot. I'm not even so much talking about people who scam each other, unless it's like really, really a serial scammer, because then you have to start making decisions based upon third-hand information. You know, you could have John Smith come over and tell a poker room manager, hey, Mike Jones, scam me. And if the poker room manager believes it and then puts him in the database, then Mike Jones is banned. And what if John Smith was lying? So I don't think they should be doing that. But anyone caught doing bad things actually in a poker room, 
I think they should be banned from all of them. So now tonight, as our final segment, as usual, we are doing the Ask Dan Druff segment, where you ask me a question in the chat, and for the most part, I will probably answer it. Someone saying in chat, by the way, Seabach Cockshot is this guy's name. They won't do that because there's so many scum in poker, they won't get games or tourneys that way. No, I disagree because, yes, there's a lot of scum in poker. I'm not going to argue against that, but... As far as people who have committed bad enough offenses in poker rooms to get banned, there really are not that many. It's really a very manageable number. It's not going to really hurt that much as far as the numbers they get. Let me take this phone call here. Maybe they want to ask Dan Druff something. Call you're on the air. Yes, I have a question. Um, is the uh, 2-6 spread limit and the 3-6 limit the same right or is it different? Where? In Vegas. I don't know. I shouldn't have said where because I don't know anywhere if it's the same rake. Uh, it probably is. Uh, I just am not that familiar with the, those. Uh, you're asking about 2-6 spread limit and 3-6 limit? Yeah, because I went to Vegas, and um, I was playing the lower limits, but I was mostly playing spread limit. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying if I was grinding, what would be mathematically better for the rake? Because 3-6 is a big rake killer. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say actually probably neither. Uh, those low limit games are an absolute killer on you rake wise, and you know. And I don't want to take anything away from the dealers, but then we have to tip the dealer on top of it. That's even a bigger killer to the players. So you really, really are losing a large percentage of every pot you win, and boy does it eat you up. And even if you're like worlds better than everyone else, uh, it's still hard to win. So I, I wouldn't grind those type of games. I'd play those games for fun, but I, I wouldn't grind them to make a profit because. Boys, the rake and eat you alive. Yeah, I usually play those when I'm playing my Aria tournaments, but I usually play 1020. 1020s, yeah, that, that gets better. Like you know, of course, the higher you play, the less the rake matters uh, because the rake doesn't go up at the same rate as uh, as the limits go up. But of course, the game gets tougher. But uh, yeah, 1020, you can you can make money at 1020. But three six, boy, that that uh, even though the players are awful, boy, you're going to lose a lot to the rake. Yeah, I played that tonight in Oklahoma, and yeah, I made money, but I was tired of it. So I was just, if anybody would know, you would. And how do I uh, donate to the free roll if I don't have a computer? Okay, uh, what you can do is, uh, oh, if you don't have a computer, I was about to give you the PayPal address. Uh, well, let me quickly give the PayPal address, and I'll give you the instructions. Uh, if you want to, wait a minute, if you don't have a computer, how are you listening to this show if you don't have a computer? iPod. On iPod you're listening wow. I knew people could yeah. listen on iPhone. I didn't think about an iPod. All righty. So, yeah, well, iPhone, wait, iPod. Well, do you have a way to email me? Yeah, I do. Okay. So, if you want to donate, you can PayPal a donation to dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's all lowercase. Dandruff, just D-A-N-D-R-U-F-F, at pokerfraudalert.com on PayPal. Or, if you don't have PayPal... Uh, you can email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and I will give you an address you can mail a check to, or I can give you some, uh, you know, like a, a major bank account to deposit money to if you want. All right. Well, I'll try to get a PayPal so that's more easy. Um, yeah, I was in Vegas about a month ago. I was trying to find you, so I was going to hand you a couple hundred for the free roll, so wow. I'll start doing that. That's impressive. All right, well, I appreciate that, and, uh, yeah, definitely email me and uh, – you know, we'll get the money donated to the free roll, and if you know if you're in Vegas during the summer, you can find me uh, probably during the World Series and yeah. give me money then. 
I love your show, so please don't ever. I hate when you don't because I'm missing. I'm like, dang it. So yeah. <laughs> what is your, what, what you're doing? What is your name, by the way? My name is Jody. I called a couple of years ago. Okay. So did you call a couple of years ago to this show or to a previous one I did? Yeah, this show. This show, okay. This show. All right, I actually well. called in the wrong segment, segment, but you actually asked me a limit question, so you didn't make fun of me. I really liked it. Okay. All right, well, I'm glad you enjoyed the show, and uh, you know, if you want to donate, I've given you the instructions, and thank you for listening. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. So that's what I mean. You know, guys like this, they can come up to me in the World Series and say hello, and always glad to meet them. So, all right. I, yeah, I didn't know that the the iPod would uh, work that way either, but I guess it does. Someone's saying in chat, tell him to buy a computer instead of donating. It, it is kind of odd he doesn't have a computer, but you know I'm not going to question it. Grenada Roger saying, Druff, I fell asleep two hours ago listening to the show and just woke up. Can you please recreate the last two hours? <laughs> Well, Roger, what made you fall asleep? I'm trying to think what were you doing about two hours ago. Was it the part with Kessler? Like, what was it that made you fall asleep? All right, so... Oh, he's claiming he's related to uh, the Templar. Bad Guy 23 saying this guy doesn't is related to the Templar. Like, look, he wants to donate to the free roll. I, I don't care who he's related to. People want to ship me drug money for the free roll. I'll take it. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyway, let's let's get to the uh, Ask Dan Druff segment, and then I'll shut this down. First question from DJ Chaps. Todd, how many hours a week are you playing these days? What games are you playing? Good question. Uh, what I've been doing is I've been pretty much designating one day a week, most weeks, to go play live. I have not been playing online for the most part. I've played some on WSOP.com, but uh, when I'm not in Nevada, I can't do that. Uh, otherwise, I can play live uh, and designate one day a week to do it. Usually play uh, 4080 or 6120, sometimes 100, 200 limit. I usually play for a number of hours, uh, anywhere from 6 to 24 hours, would you believe, if the game is really good. So I'll play out like one really long session or moderately long to very long session and then that'll be it and I won't do it until the next week. Which can be kind of tilting if you run bad and then you got to wait a whole week to play again but uh, at least I have time to cool down. Uh, I don't have much time to do more than that because uh, you know, I have a son here. Uh, Druff, can you call ne- Dustin for a Neverwin update? I-, I can't really do that right now but I can see if Dustin will come on here and do that. He is on my Facebook, and we are on good terms. We don't talk very much, but we're on good terms. Uh, Is Drexel coming back to radio? I'm not sure. He seemed dismayed with the situation that's been going on that I described earlier, and I can understand how he doesn't want to see that. The truth is here, when you run a show like this and when you get involved in a community like this, you're always risking that you're going to piss off some unbalanced individual is going to become obsessed with you and harass you for no reason. And that's what's happening to me right now. And when Brandon watches this happen to me, he thinks, well, shit, I don't want this. I I don't want to be part of that whole mess. Screw it. I'm just going to, you know, stand back and go on with my life. 
And I'll tell you, when I started this forum, as you guys remember, when I started this forum two years ago, the Poker Fraud Alert forum, it was after I had left forums for about six months, and the previous forum I was part of, I left under unpleasant circumstances, which most of you are aware of. A lot of drama surrounding that, and I, I was a little afraid to start this forum here. I was afraid it's going to start the drama all back up, and you know, it's going to be a lot of stress for me. And for the most part, that didn't happen. For the most part, the people who have come to Poker Fraud Alert have been respectful toward me, and I appreciate that. But you're always going to get those few. You're always going to get those few crazy ones that that somehow blame me for their own problems or they blame me when things get found out about them that you know airs their dirty laundry even if they really did it and somehow it's my fault that they did it and it got found out so anyway that's uh that's the situation with Brandon I don't know when he's coming back or if he's coming back um, Owen Mattisau asking in chat Who is messing with you? We should beat their ass And have Team ML Gay come in their face <laughs> Go read the forum In the Flying Stupidity area. You'll find it Of who exactly is doing it um, Any further questions there? Oh here Here's a question in the chat Have you and Micon interacted at all in the last year? This is from Real Talk Let me think we definitely haven't in 2014 as far as the past full year. Uh, I think we interacted once when he redesigned the site and I lost some access I was supposed to have and I asked him to restore it and he did. Grenada Roger asked, Druff, any personal weight goals for this year's World Series of Poker? No. Um... I've kept off most of the weight I lost since last year, and truthfully, I, I look at the pictures of myself from just before I lost the weight. The The most telling picture was one I have with Pendulette. I call it the Pendulette picture, which is really what set me off to want to lose the weight because I really didn't like how it looked in the picture. So I look a lot different now than the Pendulette picture, and I'm happy about that. But I did gain back about five pounds since the lowest weight I got to. And I, I still, you know, when it's all said and done, I lost about 17, 18 pounds between my highest weight and right now. So, you know, it's some, but it's not like the most. Uh, Bobby or asking, you mentioned the Goldbergs before it aired. Do you watch it and is it any good? The answers are yes and yes. It actually is very good. I really like the Goldbergs. And uh, I actually watch it with Benjamin's mom every week. She really loves the show. And uh, it's very well done. It's very well done. It's a funny show. It will probably get renewed for a second season. It's not sure, but it's probably going to get renewed. It's probably going to squeak by. The The ratings have not been great, but uh, it's going to squeak by. I think. Uh the only thing a little bit tilting about the show, though I understand why they do it this way, is that it's it doesn't take place in any specific year in the 80s, so they jump all around the 80s, and you have things that were things in 1989 happening along with things in 1981. And like since I remember the way the 80s really went, that kind of bothers me. But the creator of the show says that he didn't want to feel handcuffed, that he can only have 
one certain year's worth of 80 stuff for each year of the show. So he just wants to mix it all together. And I can understand that. Druff, do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? I, I watched it once, and while I kind of understood its appeal, I, I just wasn't into it. Like, it seems like for my personality that I would like it, but, but for whatever reason, I just never found it that funny. I just, I, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was bad, but I just didn't feel a desire to watch it again. Um, let's see. Do you watch Portlandia? No. Uh... Lou Father asking, by personality liking Kirby Enthusiasm, do you mean Jewish? Yeah, I kind of mean that. Uh, any other questions in the chat? Beer and Poker saying one episode is not good enough to judge. That's possible. I actually had that happen when I tried to get Benjamin's mom to watch the Rockford Files with me. The Rockford Files with me. And, um, you know, she saw I was watching it all the time on my DVDs and everything, and telling her how much I like the show. So she watched one episode with me, which is one I hadn't seen before because I was in the process of watching all the DVDs. Because, you know, The Rockford Files goes back to 1974, and I was two that year, so I obviously wasn't watching it first run. So I was watching an episode I had not seen before, and uh, we watched it together, and it was just a lousy episode. It just wasn't that good of an episode, and she kind of thought the show sucked and never wanted to watch it again with me. So I was like, you know what? I, I should have picked a, an episode that I knew was good and have her watch it with me. Because even I didn't like that episode that much. What about House of Cards? I haven't watched it. I've heard good things about it. I just haven't watched it. Any other questions in the chat? Otherwise, we will shut this down. I'll check my text messages and see if I've gotten any new ones since I last read them. Let's see. Any new text messages? Whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? That's not a text message. Let me ask you again. Any text messages? Hello? Texters, you out there? Yeah. A lot of buildup just for crickets. I did get one text asking me if Super Wins was part of that uh, <laughs> that poker network uh, net stronger. <laughs> you know, Super Wins sounds like it should be on there. There was some kind of wins thing on there. It just wasn't Super Wins. But yeah, maybe Locke should think about joining that network. Was tonight the first time Ben's mom was on radio? Uh, yes, I think it was. I bet Druff was a Quantum Leap fan. I actually was. I actually like Quantum Leap. I have to admit I was less into it as it got to its final seasons, but I did like it. Uh, She is on the voicemail of one of the Poker Fraud Alert radio phone numbers when I don't answer. That was pointed out by uh, Bad Guy. Any other questions in the chat room before we shut this down and move on and I attempt to uh, repair my relationship that you heard some things about at the beginning of the show? Any further questions? 
I don't see it. So, as some of you might have guessed, the fight at the beginning of the show, when I was supposedly testing the sound, was staged. We actually rehearsed this beforehand, and the rehearsal actually sounded better than it came out. I guess when it came out, it was harder to do the acting under the bright spotlight of the radio. But yeah, it was all made up. Though, it was based a little bit on a true story. We never had a fight like that, but um, we did... We, we have discussed before about when Benjamin stays up late, how it's difficult on her when she has to get up early the next day. She has to get up very early for work during the weekdays, and Ben stays up very late. So if the show goes too late, then she's often up late with him and doesn't get very much sleep and then gets mad at me. So, uh, based a little bit in reality, but uh, she has never asked me to stop doing the show or cancel the show or anything like that. So that part was all fake. And uh, I will tell you that line about the one guy in New Hampshire... That you only have one guy in New Hampshire listening to the show. That was actually her idea. And she's like, ah, should I say that? I said, yeah, go ahead and say it. So, I don't know if you guys heard Benjamin in the background. At one point, Benjamin said, stop fighting. And that was his line. He was actually given a line too, but he kind of just stood there. But then he said it at the very end. I don't know if you heard it. Anyway, we will be returning at our usual time next week. On Tuesday night, April 8th, 2014, if I don't miss a show, we're going to have five shows in the month of April. That'll be the 1st, the 8th, the 15th, the 22nd, and the 29th. If you're going to be at Dodgers opening day, let me know. Maybe we'll say hello. I will be there on the April 4th opening day game at Dodgers Stadium. Actually got some good seats, miraculously, given how expensive they were. I got them for a decent price. Still wasted a lot of money. But good night. See you next week. And shalom.